An enemy force has been deployed out here. Ready, Emma in the gun. Damn. Back with more punch than Captain Falcon. That's right, Gundam at MAHQ. Welcome to episode 16. I'm Sober Overview, and with us today are... Chris. Neil Lornick. And with a special guest today, too. That's um, right. Give it up for... Hey, this is uh, Destiny Gundam here once again. All right. That's our, our friend Peter, who joined us on episode 10 for the Super Robot Wars discussion. Well, he's with us the whole show this episode. Mm -hmm. So... Settle in, and um, we're we're gonna we're gonna kickstart things off on this episode 16. We're gonna discuss first and foremost what we're currently watching in mecha anime. In the second segment, we're gonna get into the state of the anime industry today and what kind of effect it has on mecha anime. We discuss each premiere company that's bringing out anime here in the United States and just go over um, the ups and downs of the last couple of years. And last but not least, we're going to continue our Gundam Spotlight, where we'd finally get to Char's Counterattack, the first original feature film in the Gundam franchise. But um, before we get into that, um, I, as usual, we're going to go ahead and um, build the excitement with Neo's news. All right. <laughs> kind of kind of quiet on the news front, but um, I, I know that in the continuing tradition of pimping out games that will never come here and and uh for, for gundam the official site for uh gundam battle universe it has actually opened um and they got the game section and they have some sections for mobile suit uh, listings and i guess they have some movies in there so anybody interested in that game uh, definitely go to that and you can always find links through uh, ganoda where a lot of these news stories are courtesy of like I said, pretty pretty quiet on the uh, news front, but this is kind of a, a tie into Gundam. Chris, who was Swetson Sterno in Turn A? What character was that? I can't remember that guy. He was that really fat samurai-looking guy who had the oh. uh, my hero, and he got killed by by Jim. Right on. Okay, Swetson. Okay, I remember him now. Yeah, that fat on the other person. Yeah, that really big old fat guy, Swetson Sotero. Well, unfortunately, uh, his his voice actor had passed away not too long ago. I guess he he died. His name was. Tora Uganda, and uh, he died uh, suddenly in a Tokyo hospital at the age of 55. Uh, there's cause of death is kind of unknown, but I guess he was suffering from diabetes. So, um, you know, he was he was kind of a prolific. Um, he was kind of a, he was a drummer for some band called Busy Four in the late 70s to the early 80s. And I guess he was a comedic personality in a lot of the Japanese variety shows and stuff. So I guess he's uh, pretty well known over there for uh, some of his comedy. But as, in terms of uh, Gundam, he's uh, best known as uh, Sweat Sterno. So uh, our uh, thoughts and condolences go out to his family. And uh, addition, like I said, we got some not too much on the on the news front here, but I guess there's going to be. On the hobby shop Midori, they posted the Air Shock Battle One Twelfth Bean Saver, and oh, wow. uh, it's it's going to be available in September for four thousand nine hundred and eighty yen. Oh, so it, it works in three different modes: uh, standard, which as the sound effects as you swing. Scenario, which features seven stages with Tor Torio Fuyura's voice and battles with a Zaku and Goof and an unlikable new type sound effect for standard mode. Nice. And the Kataguchi mode, which is similar to standard but with beam saber vibration. That might be oh. the baddest toy since the um, Indiana Jones whip. Yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, they made one of those. <laughs> they made one recently. Yeah, they 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 have one of those. Mm -hmm. But um, it comes with an adapter and stand, and it's aimed at the new and casual Gundam fan, Aiden Up. Wow, I can I, I qualify. Hey, there you go. And uh, <laughs> as well as the are hardcore. You, are you are you at least eight years old? Yeah, and up. 
I'm I'm eight and up. So uh, it's uh, and it's you know for that fan and also for the hardcore fan and I guess there's a large scale promotion that's being planned for this. So anybody uh, with a few few extra bucks to spend on stuff, you might want to kind of get that. But well played, Bandai. Well played. And I I like to uh, give our first installment of uh, some listener submitted news topic. I was actually very happy to see this. Somebody other than Soul Bro sending me an article. <laughs> <laughs> and. Um, this, uh, this, this is courtesy of, he's known as Nick M. on the Mecha Talk Forum, and uh, he had sent me this. And I guess in Vancouver, they're going to be having, uh, they're having this um, exhibition called Crazy, the Delirious World of Anime, Comics, Video Games, and Art. And I guess it's the first of its kind. It's a project that offers a unique and dynamic insight into the world of comics, animated cartoons, anime, manga, graphic novels, computer video games, and visual art. It's uh, spanning the century of the art making, and the works in the expedition, e- exhibition reveal an extraordinary history of production. And um, they're going to have examples of original sketches, notes, concept drawings, final production drawings, animation cells, 3D models, and published works. So it's, it's promising a, a rare insight into the mind of some of the finest artists at work today. And it's being supported by the Vancouver Foundation. And it's going to be running from May 17th to September 7th, 2008. So wow. there's, um, I, I, I guess if you take a look at um, uh, it's at the Vancouver Art Gallery. And I guess if you go to their website, I'm sure they're going to have all the information that you need. So just like to thank Nick for that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I know we have a lot of Canadian listeners, so I thought that the, that'd be nice. But I'd like to thank Nick for his uh, for his article, and I encourage everybody to uh, you know continue you know to send me stuff because that's definitely some of the articles that we're looking for. So uh, to be honest, I would have never known anything like this, so that's kind of cool. So anybody that's going to be in Vancouver during those times, definitely check it out. But I mean, a Gundam exhibit that we're actually on the same continent with. Well, it's not a Gundam exhibit. It's not a Gundam exhibit. It's, it's more of a, it's more of an art e- e- exhibition. But, but it involves Gundam, so I yeah, guess that's it's as close as we'll get. Anime and, yeah, anime and manga. So yeah, there's definitely going to be um, going to be some things in there. Speaking of news from the Vancouver area, I want to make a shout out to uh, Mark Zero Six Four, very, 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 very long time MHQ tr- contributor whose house burnt down few days before we recorded this episode, there's a thread on Megatalk, a sticking thread in general discussion uh, with information if you'd like to donate via PayPal to him. Uh, him and his mother, they pretty much lost everything and they're receiving some government and insurance assistance, but I, I, I can sympathize uh, that when you've lost everything, you know, anything that anyone can, can help out will really uh, yeah. Yeah. make a difference. So if you're able to, no matter how much it is, five, ten, fifteen, twenty dollars, um, you know anything that would help? I'm I'm sure he could definitely use that for all of the essentials needed to uh, to live. I saw that that link that she had put up. If you're interested, it's a sticky at the top of the general discussion um, th- um, section of the um, mechatalk.net boards. Just uh, go there and give it a visit. You'll find it at the top. And um, by all means, give give what you can. Cause Any I'm, little bit helps. But that's it on the news. We'll be back in just a minute. This is Gundam at MAHQ. You see us uh, struggling in the car. You walk up, you open the door, and you say, You're lying, George. Oh, uh, hey, you, get your damn hands off her. You really think I ought to swear? Yes, definitely. Damn it, George, swear. It's the greatest city in the history of mankind. <laughs> Discovered by the Germans. 
1904. They named it San Diego, which of course in German means a whale's. The show with more game than Parker Brothers is going to Comic-Con this summer. <laughs> That's right, Gundam at MAHQ. It'll be me, Sobro, Ryu, and... Leo Lornok, and uh, Chris will be there in spirit, unfortunately. He won't be able to make it with us. He certainly but... will. When we're there, we're going uh, to be broadcasting, podcasting daily from there with our experiences of the con and also... Um, Any news and, out there that might be, uh, that you might guys be. might find important and uh, we'll definitely do some stuff on our blog. And also, if any of you guys are going, by all means, email us at gundammahq at gmail.net and let us know you're going to be there and um, we'll hopefully we'll run it to you. Keep checking the Mecha Talk boards, uh, especially in the Gundam section, uh, especially around the last part of July. The con's from July 24th through the 27th. And like Solbro said, we're going to be doing some quick little uh, podcast snippets, hopefully every night, just telling you some good things and some of the things that we see and some of the things you might want to keep an eye out for. So uh, definitely hit us up and let us know if you're there. If not, we'll come back with lots of pictures and everything else. See you in San Diego. Peace. No, there's no way that's correct. I'm sorry. I, I don't know what it means. <laughs> Doesn't it mean Saint Diego? No. No, that, that's what it means. Really? Well, agree to disagree. Suddenly, there was a terrible roar all around us. And the sky was full of what looked like huge bats. All swooping and screeching and diving around the car. And a voice was screaming, Holy, Holy Jesus, Jesus, where are, are these goddamn animals? Welcome back to Gundam at MAHQ. Uh, today we're going to be uh, yanking a topic off of our forum at Mechatalk and using that for some discussion. And the topic in question is, what's your current anime? Hmm. Uh, this time we're going to uh, tweak it a little bit and we're going to make it what's your current mecha anime. Nice. So we're going to be talking about um, mecha anime shows that we're watching in our spare time. Uh, we're going to be ignoring stuff that we're reviewing like Macross Frontier and Code Geass R2. So we're just going to discuss things that we're watching for the hell of it that we want to see. Uh, so I guess I'll kick it off with some of the shows that I'm watching. Recently I started watching the original uh, Dan Cougar. Nice. Oh, man. That, yeah. That's a fun show when it gets going. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'd already seen Dan Cougar Nova. I think you, you, you saw it too, right, Peter? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I want to watch the original one. Yeah, so uh, I decided, what the hell, start watching the original. For those who haven't seen it, it started off back in 1985. It's sort of the uh, the height of the real robot revolution. And even though it's a super robot show, it has so many elements and stylings of a real robot show that I kind of almost want to call it a real robot show. Really? I don't consider it a real robot show. Really? Because it's so... it's. It's so unlike mm -hmm. Super Robot shows. I mean, it has some elements because you have this whole thing of, um, Combining robot. you know, evil alien empire invades Earth. Mm -hmm. And you have, like, you know, evil intergalactic emperor <laughs> who sends his incompetent generals down to conquer Earth. <laughs> and they keep getting their asses kicked all the time. Right. <laughs> but otherwise, it's so different because, number one, um, the heroes of the Cyber Beast Force, they're all soldiers. Oh, wow. And the super robot that they use, you know, which combines, is military hardware. Wow. And it doesn't really do anything that special. You know, there's there's a plane fighter, there's three tanks, 
and uh, the tanks they turn into a cougar, a liger, and a mammoth. Right. And the weapons they have is standard fare, you know, like missiles and Vulcans and cannons, nothing like fancy. Uh, the enemy uses one mass production robot that looks like it could be in a real robot show and one mass production air fighter. Oh, okay. So the whole story is, you know, alien empire invades and Earth's military collapses almost immediately, but you have this resistance movement wow, in North God. America that keeps fighting and giving the aliens trouble. So most of the story from what I've seen up to like episode nine is you have the cyber beast force being dispatched to assist the resistance fighters. Wow. So they're fighting in wrecked cities and helping like all these gorillas who are trying to fight this alien mecha. And what's interesting is, you know, most super robot shows, you have this sort of like the Sentai formula where, you know, they have their individual machines, then they turn into robots, they fight some powerful thing, then they combine into the main robot and they kick ass. Doesn't even happen here. At the point where I'm at, they haven't even uh, transformed into the smaller humanoid forms wow. of their four mecha, let alone even combined into Dan Cougar. Really? Damn. In fact, uh, from what I've read, they don't even combine into Dan Cougar until episode 18. Really? Wow. 16. Are you serious? Yeah. It's episode 16 when they first combine into Dan Cougar. Oh my god. Okay, so yeah, 16. They take their sweet time. <laughs> yeah, they take their sweet time. So for most of the time now that I've seen, they're just fighting, um, you know, either as jets or tanks or as, you know, in their animal modes. But they haven't even transformed into, like, humanoid robot modes yet. Man. Wow. So that makes it stand out. That's because they didn't read their manuals. <laughs> yeah, because they're all kind of like, <laughs> like they're, they're, they're kind of a team of weirdos. You've got the main character, Shinobu Fujiwara, mm -hmm. who's your typical, like, sort of hot-blooded dick. <laughs> the, guy's, the guy's really a dick. <laughs> and it's sort of helped by the fact that he's played by uh, Kazuki Yao, who plays um, Judo Ashita. And more recently, uh, Frankie in One Piece. Oh, okay. So he's he's great at playing sort of like these dick characters, and uh, he that's that's what he does. You've got um, this girl Sarah, who's kind of like aloof but has a nicer side to her. You've got this guy Masato, who's sort of the young, inexperienced, goofy guy, and then you got this guy Rio, who's the straight man. Wow. Well, man, how long is the show, Chris? Uh, it's 38 episodes. There's a couple of wow. OAV sequels. Right. And then there's Dan Nova, which is totally separate. That's crazy, though, that it takes them all the way up to episode 16 to even do the do the combination, because you're talking almost halfway through the show. I thought I thought waiting five episodes to see Voltron become Voltron in the, in the original <laughs> series was hard enough. Yeah. 18? Oh, that's Ooh. nothing. Hell, <laughs> uh, in this show... It takes like five episodes just to gather the whole team. Wow. Yeah. What? That's pretty cool. Oh, man. So they're not rolling out the gate. Yeah. For the first two episodes, it's just Shinobu. And then episode by episode after that, they start introducing each of the new team members. Right. So it takes a while just to get the whole team. And then, you know, from then it takes them a while to, you know, get to the robot modes and then to uh, Dan Cougar. Wow. And in the meantime, the whole thing of they're fighting the enemies... Um, like I said, they have this one mass production sort of Zaku-ish mecha, <laughs> and the, like, commanders, they just fly sort of customized versions of that one mecha. Right. Oh, okay. And everything just has, you know, that, you know, those, that 80s design style of real robots. I mean, this show came around, this show was airing, like, right around the same time that Zeta started, so it's right in the middle of all of these real robot shows and just took the artistic stylings of that and I think that makes this show very unique because if you look at it ever since then 
Super Robot shows have just sort of stuck back to that old 70s style. Yeah. Well, who animates the show? Is it Tatsunoko or is it Toei or? Uh, let's see here. Um, Probably wasn't Sunrise. I've it was seen part. I've though. seen parts of Dan Cougar Nova. No, it was. It, it wasn't Sunrise. It was uh, Ashi Productions. Oh, okay. Which, which also, also created, created Machine, Machine Robo. Robo. Machine oh, Robo. cool. Romstall. Nice. So, um, I'll kick it to one of you. Uh, we'll just keep going round and round. Paul, I know. I know you're watching uh, Dragonar, so uh, might as well just mention that one briefly. Yeah, um, uh, based on Chris's recommendation, I'm watching some Dragonar. I'm actually watching about three different ones right now, but um, Dragonar, uh, a very interesting little show. Um, I know that we've we've mentioned it a couple times, I think, on the um, on the show before here, but I guess it it was it took it was released after Double Zeta, and I guess. Uh, from what I understand, what Chris has told me and everything, that it was supposedly thought of being like the next franchise to replace Gundam. I guess at that time they didn't think Gundam was going to have the the legs that it has now, or you know, it's just surviving in like its thirtieth year. But um, um, I don't. It also has kind of that real robot, super robot type of feel to it. Um, you got the three, you got the three characters, um, and you have the three specialized mech. Uh, what is it? The D one is like the general purpose one. The D two is like um, it's artillery. The ar- artillery one, and then the um, D three is like the I don't know uh, radar reconnaissance. Yeah, kind of like kind of you know j- is it, it's able to jam things. It's able to jam radar. It's able to pick up uh, enemies like way before any of the other uh, forces can pick them up. And you know, kind of an interesting thing. Three guys that are just kind of thrown into the whole situation of piloting these um it's and what makes it kind of interesting is the three pilots uh kane light and tap they're kind of idiots i mean they're pretty stupid they're lovable idiots like they're just kind of because they're all like i think they're light or no light is like 17 i think tap and kane are like 16 and they're just kind of slacker dudes because the whole thing is um, you know, there's this war between uh, this empire that's on the moon and then the people on Earth. And it seems like at the beginning, most of their friends have either left the colony. They're living in a space colony and they've either left the colony or they've joined one of the sides, either the empire or the Earth military. And these guys are just kind of hanging out. And um, <laughs> they do an interesting take on how they have to keep these guys as pilots. Um once you get into when they got into the the mechs, they were uh, brand new, and when when they're brand new, they get re- they register everything on it: your voice, your eyes, all this stuff. So once once it's registered with the AI that's in the in the suits, um, you know nobody else can change it. So, cool. and it, and it's the typical thing: they start in space, they go down to Earth. There's the there's the chase sequence. I'm at episode 21 right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the pilots just met his father. Uh, Kane just met his father, and of course, the typical thing of you know the father's a he's a war hero on this one. He's like the man when it comes to the the Earth military. But very interesting show um, has a lot of you could definitely tell it's a sunrise show. It's got a lot of the um, it's got a lot of the sunrise staples in it, um, you know, and and it, and it is like a double Zeta Zeta Gundam. Uh, voice actor yeah. fest on it too because it's like everybody it's like oh my god i think that was that was that camille was that uh you know what's his face and it's like man but um i, I definitely i definitely say it's a show that people should check out um 
like I said, it, the guys are just kind of lovable idiots, and it's just kind of them making their way, you know, throughout. And uh, I'm definitely looking forward to the end of this because it start it started off really comedic, and I can see it starting to take that turn right now. Uh, where it's it's starting to become real serious. Well, they never they never completely lose the comedy. They kind of keep it consistent. Uh, yeah, fine. But it, but it's it's a, at this point though that I'm at it's a, it's a little bit more serious than it was at the beginning. And it, it, like I said, it's got all the staples in it: blonde enemy ace whose sister happens to be on the other side. Um, you know, and they have it, they have a, you know, they meet up and, you know, it's, it's, it's all the things on there kind of, um, you know, the strong captains and, you know, the, uh, you know, it's just the kind of cannon father, uh, baddies that go around. And, and what makes it kind of interesting is on the, uh, on the other side, there's these three guys that are like this, they're part of the squad that the blonde enemy ace is. And they're, I'm sure Chris will agree with me. They're basically Kane, Light, and Tap, but the military versions of them. Awesome. Yeah, because they're they're kind of goofy. <laughs> yeah, they're just screw-ups and, and goofy. And yeah. <laughs> they remind me of, they got kind of the attitude of uh, Mashima from uh, Double Zeta, where everything's over the top, and they're going to do everything for their empire and, and for, uh, you know, Lieutenant Plato, and it's like, oh, we can't, li-. you know, when, when he got assigned, he, he got dishonored, and he's getting assigned to the front lines, they're like, they're like seeing him off in, in his plane, and, you know, they're crying when they're flying their mechs, and they're just way over the top and goofy, but it's definitely a cool show. For the, for the record, of course, we'll be doing Dragon R in an upcoming anime spotlight segment, so we'll be discussing yeah. the show a lot, a lot. I just want to say something about uh, Dragonar here. Uh, just wait until it becomes Fist of the Dragonar. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, yeah, that's coming up pretty soon, based on where you are. Yeah. All right, I'll, I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> awesome. So, uh, Adam, uh, what what are you watching? Name well, I've, I've been watching uh, Overman King Gainer. Nice. Which we discussed a little bit on um on on the Tomino um grand review that we had a couple episodes back. But um, I'm about I'm a, I'm a little over halfway through. I'd say I'm around 16. Um, it's a it's a good show. I mean, you just can't. It's not a show you take seriously. It's just it's, it's one of those shows. It's fun, just it's like a, just like really Dragonar is. Um, I want to see Dragonar, which I'll probably get on after I finish watching on the next show I have on deck, which is Full Metal Panic. God save me. But um. <laughs> Yeah, that show's pretty awesome. Is it really? I I I'll take. That is. I'll take. I'll take your recommendation. Full Metal on Panic. I'll, I'll watch it with. Man, Garon is out of this world. Yeah, that's yeah. what I keep hearing. I mean, even even Neo told me. It, that it only take. It only takes like three different series to kill him. Yeah, it's like he's the cockroach. <laughs> He's got the cockroach effect. He's a cockroach antagonist. But um, going um on Or Or Battler. Oh my God! On Overman King Gainer. <laughs> um, I like the fact that it made a a gamer the main character. Um, and I like I like uh I like how antisocial he is because that's what most gamers are. And um, they, it's a pretty it's a pretty neat depiction of um of of a main lead that's like that. And of course you got Gain, who's the overall badass of the show. Yeah, I mean that guy. There's nothing he can't do. Plus, he's a sniper. Yeah. I was like, look out, Lock on Stratos. Look out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, judging from the first episode, when the man takes somebody out with a with the with a tin cup. Yeah. <laughs> when he gives him a Shoryuken with the tin cup in hand, I was like, <laughs> they, you know, that that set the tone for the whole series. And you know, the fact that he doesn't even use a complete or he doesn't even use a um, Overman. He uses just a straight up um, kind of scale down. Mech. It, it, silhouette machine or silhouette engine. Silhouette engine. You yep. got it. And you know, with the with the with the sniper cannon on it. I mean, the guy's just overall, but I with think no like, cockpit. Was it? Yeah, exactly. He's driving a convertible. He's. Dri- <laughs> 
but but the one of the things that gets me about Overman King Gainer is how the fight scenes, mech and um, you know, just break between two humans are directed. Oh, they're pretty cool. Yeah, this very well directed. I, I can see that Tomino really picked out um picked out a good team for that show. Ironically, the team part of the team that worked on Overman King Gainer is um Gorg Tanaguchi and um his um his staff for um okay. all the other shows that he did. Tanaguchi was a part of um Overman King Gainer, you know, the director of uh, Code Geass and um Planetes and other other great sunrise shows, plus uh, Gun X Sword. So, you know, if you like those shows, I, I suggest you check out Overman King Gainer. It's um one of it's one of Tomino's happy series. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna wrap it up soon and then move on to our our my my friend um uh what's his, what's the main lead of a uh, Full Metal Panic uh uh Sosuke yeah my man Sosuke and that intolerable broad oh I can't stand that chick Chidori Chidori oh my god anyway I'm that's the superior it's all it's all about Captain Testarossa man Ca- Captain Testarossa who I like I mean she's the she's the Ruri of submarine. Mm. <laughs> We'll have to co- we'll have to cover uh, yeah. Gainer in uh, in an uh, anime spotlight in the future too. Once I get the last volume and finish the damn show. Yes, indeed. So, uh, Peter, give us the show that you're watching. Okay, this one's a uh, big nostalgia bomb for me. I just recently started uh, rewatching uh, Transformers: Robots in Disguise. <laughs> How disappointed are you? No, man, that was my favorite series. I watched it on TV when uh, when I was younger, and it's my favorite one. Where uh, Optimus Prime was a fire truck, and uh, yeah. Megatron turned into a twin-headed dragon, and a giant hand, and a car, and a jet, and a bat. And you had uh, like the Predacons and the Autobots, and then the Decepticons showed up later. I just said that because every 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 old show that I grew up with or that I was watching, when I watch it now, sometimes it, it just kind of loses it. Like I was trying to watch Voltron, and it was just like, oh. What the hell was yeah, I watching? Now I see how, just how corny it is, but it's still like the awesome kind of corny. Like in, yeah, that's cool. Like in that, that was an awesome show. Episode three, they're trying to stop this uh, speeding train, so they're like, "Oh, hey, are we gonna slow this down?" And uh, Midnight Midnight Express, one of the uh, the bullet trains, is like, "I know, let's cover the track with glue. That'll slow it down." <laughs> and then uh, Rapid Run goes, uh, "Dude, I'm gonna pretend you didn't just say that." That's <laughs> hilarious. Yeah. Now that is one of the better Transformers shows. You know? I like that one. Old, old cheesy goodness. Oh yeah, gotta have it. Childhood memory gives the show spirit. <laughs> well, I guess uh, I guess it's uh, my turn again. Um, something else that I've been slowly going through over the course of the last few months with all of the other distractions that I have is uh, Gal Gygar because I had never seen uh, oh. the show. Well, actually, I had the show is so awesome. I had seen the first episode years ago, but I never saw the whole thing, so I'm going through it. I'm actually exactly halfway through. Mm. Nice. So I'm sort of right around the part where uh, when Mike Saunders shows up yeah. with all his, his goofy, lovable stupidity. My foodins! Uh, some quality American products right there. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. He's, he's such a loser, but yeah. the thing about the show is... Um, you know, even though for the first half it's sort of the stereotypical, you know, Zonder monster shows up, team goes out and fights it, yep. Gal Gagar forms up and beats it up. Um, heaven and Earth. Yeah, Heaven and Hell. Hell and Hell. Or, or, or the way it is now, uh, Hammer Hell and Hammer Heaven. But um, despite the formulaic nature, the show is just so lovable yeah. anyway. Yeah. Be- I think in large part due to the cast. Yeah. It's just a really likable cast. The uh, the an- the anti on you know with you know all the people in three G all all of the people in three G of course Mr Hot Blooded Guy yeah 
uh, even down to, uh, you know, losers like, like Mike Sounders. You just can't help but love them all. So that sort of definitely makes the the show appealing. And, you know, you got some great animation for the time, especially this is one of the few um, stock footages I don't mind seeing over and over when Gal Gygar oh. forms up because you see all of the amount of detail they put into into all four of the mecha combining and all of the parts moving into place and everything looks like it works. Like they really put some thought into how everything combines rather than just saying, okay, all these four pieces of crap just combine. Oh, I was going to say the, 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 the best part, the best way of seeing that is when there's an episode where they have to manually dock Gal Gygar. Oh yeah. yeah. And it is so cool. It is so cool. It's one of the it's one of the coolest things, especially when like the train, the, the when the guy when the professor's in the train and they're having he's having to go through. But yeah, no, oh, that is go cool. ahead, Chris. I, I just had to say that. Yeah, that that was cool. And uh, show has a great soundtrack, and um, oh, yeah. you know it's 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 nice and lighthearted and uh, really enjoyable show. Just wait until you see final though. Yeah. What about? Oh yeah, I'm, I'm final is something else. Yeah, I meant to I'm still in the process of find, of watching that, but Neil, that show's in your top three, right? What Gal Gagar? Yeah. yeah, that show's awesome. If almost, if, 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 if I get a sugar rush from it. Yeah, sugar rush. Yeah, I I can't really watch it at night because if I do, I won't be able to go to bed. It makes you feel hot blooded. <laughs> Pretty much, I mean, my uh, my roommate my roommate owns it. He won't even let it out of the house. Hey, I'm I'm the same way with like Macross, so. Uh... I understand the sentiment. Man. And uh, all I got to say is uh, Pizza is one of the coolest villains. <laughs> what? <laughs> was that his name? His, uh, on, our, on, our, on our copy, that's what he was named. Pizza, the dude with the hat. Yeah, that, Pizza, that's his name. Yeah, Pizza. At, at first, anyway. Yeah. Plus, um, speaking of that, uh, rather uh, interesting you know, internet phenomenon when I finally saw it. And, and I told you about this, Peter. That whole that whole scene with uh, Penchinon on the toilet. God. Oh. It's just so freaking bizarre. Yeah. Penchinon is so stupid and annoying, but there's just something about that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Does, does somebody want to uh, do the sound? No. no. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. On the toilet. So, uh, Paul, it's uh, your turn. Uh, another another show that you're watching right now. One I just I just got done with it this week, so it was um I and I, I had seen it a couple of times on the IFC channel. I've been wanting to watch it for the longest time. Was uh, Samurai Seven, right and on. I guess I can talk about it because there are mechs in there. Oh God, yeah. So um, basically, it's just a it's a retelling of the you know the iconic movie Seven Samurai, mm-hmm. uh, which if nobody's seen that, you definitely have to watch it because that's influenced. Uh, countless movies out there but um um it's kind of like a kind of like a steampunk type of setting um where the mechs that they have in there if anybody's ever watched the original movie bandits attack a village well in this one the the bandits are there's samurai in there but they gave up their bodies to become mechs really yeah so it's um it's it's done by gonzo it looks incredible um it you know it it's it follows the original story pretty well there's there's a lot of uh new things that they put in there because i i got i'm about to rewatch the original movie because right. there's certain things i don't really remember or characters that i don't i think are for the anime and not for the um from the movie but um uh definitely one of those shows that you know um people need to check out and um you know it it, it was I enjoyed it. I mean, it was definitely um, 
you know, it's it's a little over the top in certain ways. As it should be. But you know, um, the uh, it's got kind of a kind of an interesting you know it's an interesting story, interesting take, and you know a, a lot of the you'll you know they have all all seven of the samurai from um, the original movie, so. Uh, it was a pretty a pretty good adaptation of it. I mean, yeah, it's I have wanted to see it. I have wanted. To, I actually, well, I saw the first two episodes. There was a Funimation sampler DVD I picked up a while ago at MegaCon yeah. when the right. show was coming out, and uh, by then I had already seen Seven Samurai. Which, if you haven't seen Seven Samurai, you have to you watch that, that movie, and, ha- and you have to see you have to see the long version of that yeah, movie. That's yeah. the, the first action movie ever made. That's what they say anyway. But, but definitely, uh, it's it's an interesting uh, take, yeah. and um, I've only seen the first two episodes, but I definitely do want to uh, pick up the the whole series, which I'll probably do at some point in the future. Yeah, like I said, it's it's kind of in that in that kind of steampunk version of stuff, and you know, there's Mecha in it. Yeah, actually, one of the seven samurai is oh, basically he's he's they call him machine machine samurai, and he's basically a mech himself. So yeah, that guy, I uh, saw that guy. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, definitely check that out. I only got ha- like halfway through Seven Samurai, I think. Yep. Maybe I should watch it, but I kind of know how it ends, so that kind of yeah. deters me a little bit. Oh. Yeah, it, it's. I, I hadn't seen the. I haven't seen the movie in a while, so I, um, like I said, I, I was watching it. and I'm like, oh wow, you know, this is following everything. But then there are some things in there that I don't, I don't um, remember, or they're probably something they just kind of put at liberty with, um, you know, with the anime, and, and it is endorsed by. Akira Kurosawa's estate, so yeah, it's just like, um, yeah, so just like I, I own a show called Kazuno Yojimbo that was also a remake of um, Yojimbo. And Does it that back in it? Sadly, no. No, we is, can't talk is, about that. It is endorsed by the estate of Akira yeah. Kurosawa, and it's really good too. But um, the, but segueing into Gonzo and um, the things they do absolutely right. Well, I guess it would. One, one, one would be adaptations of um, of uh, of old stories in the mech shows. Another thing would be vampires, which they seem to be in love with. But getting back to mechs, um, <laughs> I, my my show that I enjoyed, um, I just watched again recently was Gonkutsuo, oh, which oh, is the um, the the Count of Monte Cristo. And yes, there are mechs in this show. <laughs> yes, there are. Very barely, but there are mechs. <laughs> Yeah, and they're awesome mechs. And they're awesome. They're like, um, they're like if you had a show of nothing but the Gion from Gundam, <laughs> <laughs> fencing, fencing mecha. <laughs> they're all in CG, but it, it's 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 an absolutely great adaptation. To me, it's the best adaptation I've ever watched of the Count of Monte Cristo, and I've seen yeah. an old movie from the fifties, the one with Jim Caviezel, which of you know recent, which is very Hollywood, and then this. And this, I gotta say, is the best adaptation of the story of the Count of Monte Cristo. Because oh, it's got and it's got mechs on top of that. It, yeah. Well, the thing is, the mechs. The, the thing about the mechs is they don't even show up until episode like sixteen or seventeen, so they're not really part of the story. You do yeah, get to see, a ta- you see glimpses, glimpses of them before that, that but... even in the first app, but you don't get to really see them play a part in the storyline until halfway through the show. And then that is a phenomenal scene all by itself. I won't give anything away, but it's one of the best. It's it's one of the best fights I've ever seen. I I, I had a love hate that scene. It's just kind of pissed me off and then it was like so you know at the same time yeah yeah kind of like uh, episode uh, 17 of Razafon there it yeah true. Uh, i've never watched all the Razafon. i need to sit down and watch it although i know neo can't stand that show yeah <laughs> but but the the, the climax to gonkusuro is another factor i love about the show it does not flinch it doesn't flinch from the count's revenge and i i, I love the fact that this show takes his revenge to the full heights of what he intended as opposed to the Hollywood version which is softens it up mm-hmm. of of the of that storyline. I I I I hate to compare it to the latest movie but I have to because 
Um, I actually liked the Cavizio movie until I watched Gankutsuo. Have you read the novel? No, I haven't. My fr- I have. Yeah. I have too. I have. I, I've read the abridged version. Yeah. How how close is it to the novel? Mm. Uh, uh, I haven't seen Gankutsuo. So. In, in the main mm. in the main themes, it's very close. And as far as adaptations go, definitely Gankutsuo really captures the full scope of you know the Count's desire for revenge and how far he's willing to go to carry out that revenge. Excellent. Obviously, Gankutsuo is different because. It makes uh, Albert the main character, yeah, and is based on his perspective. Whereas the novel, the main character it's is the, the count, count. Yeah. which I like. I, I like that point of the show where they made the most innocent character in the show the main character, which I was fine with because it gave the count more mystery. You didn't know jack about the man, yeah, and um, and and it, it, you all saw you saw it all from Albert's perspective, which I thought was excellent. It was it was, it was a great literary tool, if anything. And and even down to the last episode, which is more of an epilogue, if anything, that show was a masterpiece from start to finish. And I, I actually watched that show as it was airing in Japan and being subtitled. And now I own the whole series on DVD here. And it's it's a phenomenal show, Neo. If you if whenever yeah, you, I have to check it out. When, whenever you're ready to watch it, man, it's all. It, I, I'm too busy with other shows no, like Tosin and and you know <laughs> boobies and stuff. Powerpuff Girls Z. Yeah, Powerpuff so, Girls Z. There you go. <laughs> One thing I have to uh, put out there about uh, Gankutsu, I, uh, I, I fell into the trap. The, the, the trap sprung and caught me. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> oh, you talking about oh, at, at the beginning? At the beginning of the show? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know what? I'm not going to say anything about it. because um, I'll probably fall into it. Ne- too. Neo might fall into that trap, too, so I'm going to leave it to be a surprise. But it- He should feel the same pain we did. No, no, uh, no getaway for him. <laughs> uh, that's- I, I, actually, I, I don't feel guilty at all about falling into that trap. Delicious trap. I, I don't feel guilty. Even after, even after the trap was sprung, I still like that character. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Anyway, moving on. PD, um, give us, uh, give us a show that you're talking about. Here, let let let's get my uh, fanboys out of the way. Here we go. And I'm gonna talk about Magic Girl Lyrical Na- Nanoha. Oh boy. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> <laughs> It's a magic girl show, sure, but it's the main target audience is actually men, so it's not like yeah. What? Yeah, it's not. It's actually a spinoff of a uh, hentai game. Go not real. Nice. But uh, good material. So yeah, you got this girl named Nanoha. She finds a wounded ferret mm-hmm. who uh, gives her magic powers, but it's not really magic. It's kind of like techno magic, where it's highly advanced technology and spells or programs loaded into a device that's kind of like a PC and. Only they're like stabs and whatnot. And, uh, yeah, so you have to go collect these things called uh, jewel seeds with their um, whole parts. And they're relics from a uh, ancient civilization, so they have super powerful abilities. So she has to go and collect them. And on the way, she meets this girl named Fate Tesserosa, who's also trying to collect them for her uh, mother. Right. The mother's like an, an evil lady. Nice. And uh, so they start off as rivals and goes into how uh, Nanoha befriends her and... Uh, and they, they beat the, the evil mother there. Oh. It was like a real evil bitch. <laughs> and well, when they storm her castle, they're attacked by a giant robot. So they, there's your Mecca there. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for it. <laughs> so, so, so that was the first 13 episode series. Then the next series deals with this uh, book called The Book of Darkness. Right. Which is like a, a, a big storage device that can hold lots of spells and data and stuff. 
This is like a big flash drive. Yeah, kind of like that. And it's uh, Guardian Knights and Nanohunt and Fader now, like, they team up and they have to fight these Guardian Knights who's trying to collect other people's magic to power up the book. Right. But they want to power up the book to help their master, this girl named uh, Hayate Yagami, that uh, she's uh, slowly being, like, devoured by the book, kind of, like, it's draining her life force so she can't walk and stuff and will eventually kill her, so they're trying to complete it to uh, save her. Right. So they, they clash a little bit and... Uh, well, one of the Guardian Knights, her name is Signum, and uh, mm-hmm. she's actually based off of Lamia Loveless from Super Robot Wars. Oh, that's cool. They, they have the same voice actors and everything. Like, the, the Nanaha staff are huge mecha fans. Right. Like, it may be a magical show, but it plays out like a robot show. Nice. Like, they call out their attacks, and they have, like, huge blasts that can, like, nice. take out a big chunk of landscape and... D- <laughs> so they, they decimate cities. So the series two doesn't really have that much mech in it, but it sells like interdimensional spaceships that have uh, main cannons that can like tear open the fabric of space time and stuff like that. Wow, sounds pretty good. The uh, third series is uh, takes place ten years afterwards. Right. Like in the first two series, Nanohunt and Fate, and them they were like nine years old. So you had your uh, oh my god. So you had your lolly there, but. <laughs> Season three takes place ten years later when they're uh, older. Cool. And they're members of this uh, place called the uh, Time Space Administration Bureau, which is like a military kind of disaster prevention force, and they police and all that stuff. So they become like military personnel instead of just plain old magic girls. Wow. And I'm sure Petal Bear is sad about them being older, right? Oh. Actually, I, I like them being older. I hope so. I would too. What? 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, you see them as young girls before, but in season three, you definitely see them as, like, they've grown up and to be fine women and stuff like that. And oh, man, that service? <laughs> to be fine women. Fine, upstanding young ladies. So, season three has this mad scientist called uh, Jell Scalietti. He uh, has a uh, army of... Uh, combat cyborgs. Right. So you got your mech, you have your cyborgs there, and he has all these uh, things called gadget drones, which are robots that you should get the crap kicked out of them every episode. Right. But yeah, so you got the combat cyborgs, which is this group of 12, like, uh, different girls with different personalities and stuff. And then you have this uh, new character. She's the main, like, secondary main character in season three. Her name is Subaru Nakajima. It's like, she has her typical underdog stories. She tries her best to rise up to the ranks and stuff. And turns out she's also a combat cyborg. And uh, right on. Thought, and they like revived this ancient battleship and stuff like that. So there, there's definitely a lot of mecha elements in it. And like I said, the creators are huge robot fans. And sounds yeah, pretty, so. sounds pretty good. Sounds pretty cool. I think so. I'd definitely check that out. That, that that's my fanboy rant. I'll, I'll fanboy about this till. Day I die. <laughs> you, you do that. No problem. Well, nothing wrong with that, man. It sounds it does sound intriguing. I'd like to check that out. It seems like a nice take. Yeah, it's definitely pushing the envelope of the magical genre. Like, <laughs> it, it's definitely not like anything else. Not since Ma- Magical Princess Lychee has there been a show so engaging. <laughs> magical Princess Lychee. <laughs> Oh my god. Well, we're going to do one more round of this and then wrap it up. So for me, uh, my last uh, mecha show and, you know, pretty mecha related since it's power armors and that's pretty much mecha. I'm watching the uh, little known OAV of Starship Troopers. Yeah, I'm watching that. (laughs) Yeah, I've heard of that. I've never seen it though. Yeah, it's very interesting. It was made back in the 80s by Sunrise Yeah. with uh, mechanical designs by Studio New, a.k.a. the studio behind Macross. Oh my god. So, uh... 
unfortunately, I haven't read the novel yet, so I really uh, can't compare. I mean, I hear it's very close to the novel. Um, so my only thing right. to compare it to was the uh, icky 1997 movie. <laughs> oh, Paul from uh, I've never seen those movies in it, their entirety. You ain't missing much. Yeah, so yeah. should I consider myself lucky? <laughs> Yeah, no, you, should. You, you should you should suffer. Well, yeah, 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 missing much. Suffer. You should suffer like us. I like that a uh, C- CG oh TV show they had. Uh, I watched that one. And I thought never it was pretty that. awesome. Um, yeah, I never saw it either. But just comparing the '80s OAV to the movie, uh, it's vastly different because obviously for the movie, for financial reasons to cut costs, uh, they cut out all the powered armors. Yeah. Oh. So it's just in the movie, you just have the the mobile infantry. They're just running around. You know, on foot with machine guns, yeah. Yeah. fighting these giant bug things. But in the uh, the anime, they have these powered armors that uh, you know they use to fight in you know hostile environments like Mars, and uh, you know they can fly in them, and they can um, they've got weapons and very very. If you like if you like eighties retro real robot like hardcore sci fi stuff, then this eighties Starship Troopers OAV is definitely for you, especially since. Uh, almost the entire cast is lined with Gundam voice actors from from the time. Oh, awesome! Well, thank you, Sunrise. Yeah, I'm gonna have to check that out. <laughs> so yeah, great, great show. It'd be interesting to see. Uh, unfortunately, it's you know too old now to be brought over here, and there might even be some rights yeah. issues since Starship Troopers uh, film rights are owned by Sony, and they've made two direct-to-video sequels to their live-action movie in addition to the uh, the CG animated TV show. Oh Christ! So you'll probably never see it over on this side of the uh, the Pacific, but. Uh, Worth checking out if you can find it. So, uh, Paul, your your last show. Well, the last one I'm doing right now is a show that I've watched before, but I never was able to finish. And I'm watching, uh, rewatching Macross Seven. I was right. never able to finish the show. I stopped around like episode thirty one, thirty two, and I'm just uh, you know rewatching that uh, because it, mainly because my interest got peaked because of uh, Frontier. Yeah, and um, you know, I, I just also I just wanted to um, you know finish up something that I never <laughs> you know have seen all the way through. So um, don't want to go too much into that because I'm sure everybody knows about it. So uh, definitely a great show. It, I can see you know it's definitely '80s influenced. I know that much. It was a, it was a nice harp harping back to uh, '80s robot shows right there with all the little all the little character designs and all that but oh, yeah man. that's the one I'm I'm currently watching right now so what's that I enjoyed Macross 7 actually I'm watching it too Oh I I I enjoyed the I enjoyed it up until what I saw and for whatever reason I just stopped watching it and um no I I think it's I think it's a I think it's a pretty good show is it the best Macross show probably not but you know, it's it's definitely up there. The reason why I like it probably comes from the fact that I've never seen the original, so I can't really say, oh, man, this sucks in comparison or anything like that. Yeah, but it's kind of cool now watching it in conjunction with Frontier because of all the little homages to all the old, all the old Macross shows. So it really kind of got my interest back into, um, you know, watching the old Macrosses because I'm sure I'm probably after... After this, I'll probably start watching the old shows, you know, Macross and Southern Cross and all that. So, but uh, d- definitely, definitely a, a good little show to check out. So, right on. Well, I can't really say I'm watching any other shows besides the two I named. But I have some on, on the deck that I'm getting ready to watch: um, Full Metal Panic, um, 
and also I have Macro. I just acquired a copy of Macross Seven, so that's that's in that's in the queue to watch. I'm surprised you never saw that. As I mean, big of a Macross too, fan as, as that you are, as a Macross junkie, I am. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I, I'm, I have I've, I put it off and put it off, and now I finally have the whole series at my at my disposal. So I'll definitely get on top of that. I, I need to watch all of Macross Zero. I've only watched the first two episodes of that, and um, on, other than that, unless Area 88 happens to count, which it doesn't. <laughs> that's the only other show I watched recently that remotely has that pilot and his um and his machine te- um uh, motif uh, good good tv show good ova i got then that's pretty much the most out of me right saddest there. character ever saddest character ever <laughs> shin is all right he's just he's just very tech turn <laughs> guy got crapped on him many times oh man every day so making that money though right. that's cool and and pete any um any other any other suggestions from you um Okay, I got one that I've been like in the process of watching for a while now, but I, I, all the episodes are not available. Mm-hmm. Is Soja uh, Riding or Riding the Superior? Yes, sir. That's a classic, man. Yeah. It not not the Tamino one, if that's what you're thinking of. Oh, oh, you mean uh, the 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 more recent one? No, no, that's just Riding. This is Riding the Superior, which is riding. like a Power Armor Sentai show. You mean the '90s one? Yeah. Oh, oh okay. Nice. Okay. Yeah, because there's there's three there's three there's three writings for the record for everyone. There's the original one from the '70s that Tamino directed the first half of. Mm-hmm. There was a '90s remake that was more Power Armor, and then there was the writing made by Production IG like a year ago. Production IG. Yeah. Oh snap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that one was pretty awesome, and I actually am also watching the original uh, Brave Writing. Right. Nice. So that's kind of one a little too old old school for me to like really watch that. Too, too often at a time. Oh, that's a shame. <laughs> but, but anyways, uh, Riding the Superior is about this uh, this uh, boy band, actually, or their an idol group or whatever you want to call them. No way. And no they, way. Have, they, have, they have the ability to transform into the Ridings with their like power armor, mm-hmm. and they, they fight these things called the Super Devils who are trying to collect the... Uh, I forget I forget what these gems are called, right. but they have like the signs of the zodiac on them. Nice. And uh, if you collect all the gems, it a uh, revives a god riding, which is an actual giant robot that like can destroy the universe if it's in the wrong hands. Oh man! And like I like it. It's apparently people like call it the second Dagwon, which is. It, it's apparently done by like the same team, I guess. <laughs> right. And also like the power armor aspect to it. I I just enjoy it. Like each each cast member is like their their own unique individual with their own quirks, and they're just a bunch of likable guys. And it it never stops. Me. It it isn't afraid to make fun of itself. But some episodes have a little extra segment at the end called Paro Paro Riding. Right on. Which is like they make a parody of a scene in the in the show mm-hmm. like uh in one of the earlier episodes the, the main guy his name's uh he show right uh he, he's kind of reluctant to join the writings but th- this other guy uh oh, i forget his name uh ace i think his name was he, he comes in and he like uh drags him away it's like come on you're joining us and stuff and they can like sprout wings without uh like putting on their power armor and fly and they're invisible to normal people so he like grabs them and pulls them away <laughs> he's like oh, you're, you're coming to join our group so anyways that scene in the peril peril riding it's like uh right they, they make ace into a homosexual it's just like oh come on back to my place and uh i'll show you a good time and he's just like let go of me 
and like so it's it's like the actual voice actors are doing it too. Right. So you can tell like they're just having fun with it. And uh so like I've heard a lot of criticism in it and like some people are saying it's gayer than Wing. Oh ouch. Oh. Like, <laughs> it, it actually isn't cuz each character has a love interest of their own, like a female love interest. Right. And like he he so uh, his girlfriend's actually in a coma. Oh man. So uh like she fell off a roof. I I'm, I don't think it was made clear whether it was a suicide attempt or if she just got blown off by the wind. Right. But he right. kind of he blames himself for not being able to protect her, and eventually uses that to uh, I guess his motivation to fight the super devils. And there's this uh, pop singer called um, uh, Kirari who's like mm -hmm. reminds him of his girlfriend, even though they really don't look alike. <laughs> they're, they're like trying to force that he he thinks that she looks like his uh, Komodo's girlfriend there. Right. Um, but they are shown to have like a connection later. That's cool. And it's, it's, and this like rival group shows up later. It, it's just a lot of fun. Like it's enjoyable. Yeah. Good cast of characters, and it kind of takes its own like route some somewhat. Like they're always trying to fight for these gems, but at first they don't know about the gems. And the leader of the Super Devils, he keeps like collecting the gems. So even though they like beat the monster of the week, they're still technically losing. <laughs> and eventually, it reaches the point where the main bad guy gets all the gems and he revives God Riding. So they have to fight their own robot. Oh, that sucks. So it, it, it's really it's a fun show that like I just enjoy watching every episode when I see see a new episode is available. I'm like, oh yes, and. <laughs> Lots of fun. That sounds cool, man. I it does. To check that out too. Even if like the CG transformation scenes are really, 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 really bad, it's like that's really the only place they use CG in it. So cool. right on. Well, I think that about does it for this uh, segment. We'll probably uh, be revisiting it in the future in a few months and uh, talk about a few different titles, whatever we'll be watching at that point. So uh, we'll be right back on uh, Gundam at MHQ. I'll be damned if I'm gonna clean up this mess! <laughs> Welcome back to the show that's got more class than Harvard. That's right, Gundam at MAHQ. <laughs> oh boy. And, and in this segment, um, we're going to be speaking on something that's near and dear to all of us. And right now it's kind of scary in this, um, in this economic environment right now. But we're going to be speaking on the state of the anime industry and what it means to mecha anime as of today. And um, pretty much the, the, the topic speaks for itself. There's a lot that's been going on, a lot of changes that's been going on in the anime industry in Japan and especially in America. And we're just going to get right into it. Uh, if anything, uh, Chris, how about you lead us off? Well, I figure you know we might as well do just like a brief check-in briefly with all of the, um, the studios. Um, we'll start off with the ones who are doing crappy and move our way to the ones who are doing better. Uh, number one, you got uh, Genion, which is doing about as crappy as can be because they no longer exist. Wow. Uh, last fall, they, they sort of imploded on everybody, and uh, they released you know this last wave of titles, left a whole bunch of things hanging in mid-release, and um, sort of closed up shop to the point that even now you got places like uh, Right Stuff doing fire sales trying to clear out all their stock of uh, Genion stuff. And... Um, 
you know, a lot of the problems that were brought on in the anime industry about three years ago, you had this glut of tons and tons and tons of titles. And, you know, at the time I was working in retail and I could just see that you just had so much stuff competing for shelf space mm-hmm. and home, so much of it was crap. I mean, we're talking like C and D level titles here. And <laughs> in part of it, a lot of it was due to Genion. Yeah. You know, Genion, yeah. they started off well enough, you know, like with Tenchi Muyo and, you know, then they moved on to shows like Trigon and Samurai Champloo and Hellsing. But then they started releasing so much like crap niche titles that like nobody was interested in. Yeah, that's true. But I mean, I got to give them credit. They did try to bring out stuff here that was against the grain. Because I mean, there's a lot of studios that bring out the same kind of show over and over and over. And I own a lot of Genion series like Master Keaton and um, uh, Gungrave, which is not a, too so against the grain. But I mean, th- then there's Requiem from the Darkness and and um, and shows like Human Scramble, yeah. which I- I'm a big fan of human interest stories like that and um, just off the beaten path animes and. I give them credit for that, but financially speaking, it's a dumb idea to bring nothing but that out here. Yeah. When you need a show like, say, Dragon Ball Z or Naruto to really bring in the bucks so that you can bring out the kind of the off-the-beaten-path titles. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I love off-the-beaten-path titles, too, but you can't, you, you can't release yourself out of existence with just those titles, which is what they did. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Very yeah. true. And they also priced them. They also priced them too far above than the normal titles. I mean, it, it was. I think Indian prices were pretty reasonable. Two hundred dollars for Samurai Shampoo. <laughs> Not now. <laughs> yeah, I mean that that was just that was just kind of. Yeah, their box sets their box sets were not cheap. No, they weren't at all. Their box sets were not cheap, but the individuals were about the same price as everything else. So that's not really a problem for me. But yeah, you know, as far as releasing high profile shows, they had a few years ago a major hit with Samurai Champloo, and that was on TV, and that's great. But then after that, they didn't really have anything else for a very long time. And then by the time they got help. Ultimate, it was too little too late, especially given the very slow release of that show. Yeah. Well, they, they picked a Black Lagoon, too, and that, that show's pretty awesome if you haven't seen it. But, but again, too little too late. Right. I mean, G- Ganyan was definitely the one, like, when it went under, like, it was my favorite our one co- company pretty much like I have, I have a bunch of their stuff and I have to say the same like I did like how they released some yeah. like they were licensing some like lower niche titles I guess like they license both type moon animes which I'm really into and yes the Tsukiyume anime does exist just let you know <laughs> um, yeah. but also like another thing that I grieve for the most is that they licensed Nanoha before they went under so that was I was really looking forward to get owning that one, but alas. I'm also pissed that they uh, collapsed in the middle of releasing the first season of Higurashi no Nakukoroni. Yeah, yeah, right. I love that show. Yeah, they 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 left a lot of they left a lot of shows kind of unresolved, didn't they? Yeah, they had quite a few titles that were. Uh, I I know that was one of the big things that people were not only the fact that they went under, but the fact that you know people were like two volumes in a show. Yeah, and you can't get you can't get it and. <laughs> Who knows how that stuff's going to work out? Yeah, they had stuff that they had stuff that they were in the middle of releasing, and then they had stuff that they had licensed and hadn't even gotten around to releasing. And then there's the question of, yeah, geez, you know, what happens to all of these shows that they had previously released because technically they're now out of print. So yeah. I don't doubt that somebody will come along and do a license rescue on, say, a big title like Helsing or Samurai Champloo. Yeah, but. There's a lot of stuff out there that, you know, once it's gone, it's gone, and you're probably never going to see that stuff again, so... Yeah, makes me sad, because... Well, the thing with Genion is that, uh, 
remember when this all first came about is that they were their um, marketing department, I think it was, or like the actual department that handled actually releasing and putting the DVDs on the shelf is what, like, they right. lost it or whatever. They had to lay it out, and they're actually going to turn to ADV to do all that stuff. Yeah, but then that deal fell through. Yeah, it fell through, and it dr drifted off into the wind kind of thing there. Well, it's, yeah. some, something's kind of weird. Like, some of these series' work is still being done on them. Like, uh, as I mentioned, mentioned, Black Lagoon, that was airing on TV, and um, the, the entire series actually aired without, like, the DVD release. Like, it was still dubbed and everything, and it was aired on TV. But you won't be able to buy it on DVD. And as I mentioned, Nanoha, the, like they mentioned when it, in the, on the first one entered that the uh, studio that was handling it, they were still subbing it, and they like actually have a dub cast for it and everything, and they were working on the dubbing, but it's just like nobody can really, like, there's nobody actually to release this stuff. Wow. So it's weird that they're still kind of, they're still working on these series, but they have no reason. Well, it's, it'll probably take a while. They might be trying to market them to somebody like, hey, you know, uh, Bandai or Funimation, you want to buy this show from us? Well, you got to remember, too, just because when things go into receivership, sometimes it takes a while for the, that stuff to be liquidated. So I'm sure we'll probably see it, probably not going to see it for a while because that's their assets and that's that's all they have left. Yeah. So they have to they have to liquidate everything to pay their creditors and all that. So five bucks a DVD. Yeah. <laughs> well, we should point out that Genion uh, is not going out of business per se. They're just not releasing anime right now. I think what they're probably going to be doing is moving towards just sort of being an intermediary, the way that Katakawa, uh, who have the license for uh, Lucky Star and uh, uh, Haruhi, and they release them. They release them in conjunction with Bandai, and they released Full Metal Panic's Second Raid in conjunction with Funimation, but they didn't actually do the work themselves. They're just sort of like a a sub-licensor. Yeah. So maybe Genion might be moving towards that. Yeah. Kind of like what manga is now? No, manga still releases stuff on their own, under their own label. But Katakawa doesn't release... They don't have production facilities. They just, you know, release in conjunction with Right Stuff and Funimation and Bandai. They don't do any production work themselves. They farm it out to these other studios and then they share profits. I see what you mean. So maybe Genion will do that with this whole let catalog of titles they have. But uh, moving on since we got a few more studios. Uh, speaking of ADV, mm -hmm. uh, they're certainly not doing very well right now. Oh man. I think they are also even more so than Genion to blame for oh, boy. the situation that the anime industry is in right now in America because they also released so much crap. Yeah, if, 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 if that was flooding the shelves, and they did it to a higher level than Genion. True. If Genion was releasing their box sets for too too high a price, ADV was releasing their box sets too rapidly after the last volume. Exactly. You buy the whole series for pennies, yeah. uh, for a whole lot less than you paid in individual volumes. There was almost no incentive yeah. to get the show when it was out. You just what you just knew ADV was going to push out that box set a month after the last volume, so you didn't even want to buy, buy the individual yep. you know DVDs. It was absolutely insane you spend almost a year you buy like seven volumes individually and then within a month of the last volume there's a thin pack for like 40 bucks yet you spent about 150 it's like well why the hell did i even buy a damn thing for you feel yeah. like a first class fool so then people stopped people stopped buying the singles which does you know hurt companies because people ever always say oh i'll just wait for the uh you know, for the box set, but if you don't buy the singles over time, that still hurts the companies too, because rather than getting a sort of continuous cash flow from customers, they're just getting a little bit 
at the end of the cycle of that title. Exactly. Yeah. It's the it's the second tier release. It's not the first main the main release where they expect to make the lion's share of dough on what they spent advertising dollars on in magazines and whatnot, and they're not selling. Yeah. So when the second release comes out, where you know they're going to make that additional money, you know that's the one that's really selling, and their main release they're eating the, they're eating the cost on because they're sitting on they're sitting on retailer shelves not doing anything. The retailer gets pissed off and doesn't want to carry the products. I, wasn't there falling out between ADV and Best Buy or something like that? I'm, I'm not sure what. I don't know, but I don't know, but uh, you know, like I said, having been in retail at the time, I could just see there was just so much crap coming under the shelves, and it's like if even I don't know what the names of half of these shows are, yeah, why is like Joe Anime fan gonna know it? Yeah, and then uh, they had their manga line, which was even worse because they just released tons and tons of like nameless manga that nobody knew who the hell is what the hell this stuff was. Yeah, I I wish they'd resume their manga though. Like they were putting out Jinky Extend, and I have the first three volumes, and they're not producing anymore, and I want. <laughs> exactly. That's the other problem. Then they left all these fans who did actually buy some of these titles, yeah. you know, just hanging. They had their toy thing for a while that failed. They had a music thing that failed. Yeah. ADV is the prime example of what happens that, you know, rather than trying to consolidate your place and your hold in the industry, you try to expand way too fast, yep. way too much, and you get your hands into too many things. And it bites you in the ass. And the anime network's got to be costing them a fortune. They discontinued uh, the linear channel. Now it's just anime. It's just on demand. Yeah. I've never even seen the linear channel. They killed. They killed New Type USA and replaced it with some other magazine. Yeah. Yep. Um, with pigs. You know they they've just been shutting down a lot of stuff. Obviously there was the big thing about mm-hmm. uh, a few months ago that whole scandal of well controversy more appropriate yeah. when a whole bunch of titles disappear from their website including yeah. Gurren Lagan and Carol Ogunso and of course you know we saw a few months later uh, Gurren Lagan get uh, snatched. snatched by Bandai oh yeah which really makes you wonder what happened there because nobody wants to talk about it and yeah. oh, man. my theory is because I have I have this theory you know, ADV, they were really hemorrhaging about three years ago. Then they got a whole bunch of venture capital from uh, Sojits in Japan, mm-hmm. which they used to license a bunch of shows like, you know, Sergeant Frog and Gurren Lagann. But then they kept kind of releasing the same crap they were releasing before. So I'm yeah. wondering if yep. perhaps Sojits maybe had some buyer's remorse about their investment into ADV. Maybe said, yeah, we want our money back. Oh, my God. Because Sergeant Frog, they've been doing dub work on it, but the show has disappeared. Yeah. And they don't even talk about that show anymore. Dang. They had done dub work. Again, and they had a cast and they dubbed a few episodes I think at least six episodes and then Bandai scooped it up mm-hmm. so losing Gurren Lagann I think is probably one of the worst things that could happen to ADV because you know how ADV is about uh, pimping out Gainax titles yeah because you know that those Gurren Lagann DVDs not to say that Bandai won't do this too but you know those Gurren Lagann DVDs would have plastered all over them front back left and right from the creators of Evangelion yep. <laughs> from the studio that brought you Evangelion from the guy Greatest show ever. Who knows a guy who worked on Evangelion? From a the guy show, who was an intern. The show endorsed by Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, the second best anime series of all time. Oh, yeah. my God. Uh, well, you know that they would have just been pimping up that Gynax Evangelion left and uh-huh. right. And that would have been a major cash mm-hmm. title for them, and then they go and lose it. They would have been. So I can imagine that they're hurting. Yeah, it's like it, I think that's what helped um, FLC uh, FLCL to also sell, right? Because they would put that on the box as well. For, I mean, although FLCL is a great show well, it's in its good. own right, but it, it, on, yeah. on the box it says it from it's the creators of Evangelion. Was it? It's better than Ava. Yep. So, well, FLCL for the record was released by uh, SyncPoint. So yeah, exactly by yeah. SyncPoint, but it helped that show to sell. But still, they they still they still use that marketing of yeah from the creators of Evangelion. Kano too from. 
sync point, and that, that that probably helped that show to sell too, because anybody who was interested in Ava gave that show a whirl. And um, Karakana was right stuff. Karakana, thank you. And um, I, I, me, I'm the, the number one slayer of Japanese words. But uh, I, my 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 personal gripe with ADV, and um, this is to coming from speaking with um, with retailers, you know, mom and pop retailers that sell anime. Um, they used to support the mom and pop retailers full force. They used to, you know, give them deals, used to, you know, go out of the way to help them. And then I guess after ADV, there was a time where ADV was on top of, on top of their game, probably around the time where new type magazines started and a lot of their, a lot of their products were selling, um, when it started branching out three years ago. Um, they, 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 they were more akin to, to sell to re- major retailers than to help out the mom and pop stores. I mean, just speaking with a lot of retailers, they just didn't have a lot of, um, a lot of kind things to say about ADV or Tokyo Pop, which is another label that, um, fell off the map too, if you haven't noticed, except for manga that is, but for selling anime. Well, even then, that's, that's a whole other story. We'll get to them in a little while. We definitely will. But yeah, that's my personal gripe. Maybe now they'll realize that the big retailers who have cut back on their shelf space for anime. If you look, go to Best Buy nowadays, it's not nearly as prolific as it used to be. It used to take up at least a, a whole row and a half. Now you'd be lucky for it to take up a whole row. And um, I just I just think that's just, you know, case in point, you never you never cut ties with the people that help build you up as a company. Yeah. And that that's that's what I have to say. But Neo, you have any anything to add to that? Or anything um, else to add? I think they just they just got caught up in releasing Ava 15 different times. <laughs> and, and, the, and they found out that once everybody owned the show three times already, that mm-hmm. the, the fifth time that you released it, nobody wanted to buy it anymore. Dang. They're still going at it. You know, they're doing the, the anniversary set. Oh, jeez. Oh, now, Chris. I'm fine with my Platinum Edition. <laughs> Me too. Now, Chris, are, do, do they have, and I hate to say this, but because uh, I hate giving the show plugs, but th- is the Ava movie been licensed? The ones that are shown? It has not, and I would imagine that Gynax okay. would want you know a whole pot of gold for that series. Yeah. So I imagine that nobody's going to touch that right now. Yeah, I was just wondering because I thought that would be you know an instant uh, ADV thing. So they must really be kind of hurting. Well, back in the day, keep in mind also that ADV never even licensed the original Evangelion movies. Those were scooped up by manga. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. ADV, they said at the time that yeah. this was back in like 1999 that for the amount of money that Gynax wanted for those two movies, ADV went and licensed six 26 episode TV shows. Yeah. 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 And I I imagine that wouldn't have changed because Gynax, more than even ADV, you know, has been pimping out Evangelion down our throats for like the last Ugh. nearly 13 years. So I'm sure that they would want hundreds. Personally, I think there's good reason for that. Which would be? What? That it's good. <laughs> it's not that good. It's not the greatest thing since sliced bread. Well, it's not the greatest thing I think it's still pretty good. I, I still rewatch it every now and again and it's still good stuff. No. Of course, I'm, I'm one of the few people who actually understood everything that went on in that show. Boo. I like Ava 2 in the end. I, I, I can't hate on it as much as, as, some, as some people, but I do <laughs> like the manga me. more. Yeah. Out of everything, the manga to me is the best rendition of that show, but yeah. that's a whole other discussion for me right there. It's a good show, <laughs> don't get me wrong, but it's not a franchise. It's the same yeah. basic thing, yeah. just being retold over and over and over and over again. As much as much time as they spent on remaking it, they could have made it a franchise a long time ago, right. and instead they just or, decided or, to just... Or create a whole new show. Yeah, yeah that too. That too. I, I'm right there. How many you. times can you retell the story <laughs> anyways uh, on the whole i i like adv their website sales sometimes are like really awesome i mean i got the perfect collection of die guard for 10 bucks right wow. on i got done buying for five bucks a volume so i ain't complaining but Woo. Yeah. the fact that they're doing those fire sales in and of itself is not 
a good sign because the stuff's not selling. Yeah, it's on. never good. It, it's good for us though, because like, and I when I bought the uh, thin packs for uh, Gravion and uh, Godanner too. <laughs> one one gripe I have about ADV is that their dubs are all in house, so a, lo a lot of their stuff is like the same five voice actors for every title. Oh yeah, I know. Like, not they, they branched out since then. No. Yeah, he's... like like not nowadays like their Tokyo Imagine release, they didn't have that many of their usual suspects, but like every other dub is uh Chris Patton, Greg Ayers, uh Lucy Christensen, Monica Rial, yeah. Vic Mignogna. Yeah. yeah. They also tend to be a little freewheeling with some of their uh English dubs. I like that though. I like when they can actually branch out and you know kind of improvise. I don't mind that so much cuz it makes it a little different from the actual um actual like, real the version. dub was hilarious. Yeah, it was see? hilarious. And and so was the so was <laughs> the Die Guard dub and and on top of that the Golden Boy dub was far better than um far better than watching the actual Japanese version. Blasphemy. So I, I, I'm cool with that as long as it's, the content stays the same. Yeah. The overall, but go ahead. Unless you're uh, ghost stories. <laughs> oh no. Well, let's not let's not get into that one. So um, they took way too much nah. liberty on that. But moving yeah. on from ADV, uh, one that I am eager to get to, uh -oh. Bandai Visual USA. <laughs> Woo, man. <laughs> and while I really hate to kick someone while they're down, boy, they down. <laughs> They're down, and if you could see me, I am kicking them right now. Boy, furiously. Too. Kicking them right in the stomach because, you know what? Bandai Visual, I'm, I have no sympathy for you because everything that is happening to you now, did it all to yourself. Uh, yeah, all that's, to yourself. That's, that's, These guys... Please have a little sympathy for my uh, glass ego here. No! <laughs> You're the clown who went and bought Super Robot Wars. You have... You, 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 you brought into their Kool-Aid and, and their disgustingly overpriced releases. Bandai Visual USA. Uh, I, I suffered to my uh, weakness. He's got first American printing. These guys, they come in. They come in. They did that first release with the Pat Labor movies, and it was great stuff. You know, it was redubbed, reasonably priced for the standard edition, and then you had your collector's edition, but there was a lot of stuff in that collector's edition. Nice. And then they start doing all this junk of, like, two episodes per DVD, three episodes per DVD, uh, subtitled only... 50 or 60 bucks a pop. Oh. What the hell is this? I mean, they, they just have no concept of the American anime industry, and they really believed that Americans would be willing to pay, you know, for these low episode count, no dubbed, high priced DVDs that are the exact same format as the Japanese market. Yeah, I mean, they really had no understanding that the American market is completely different oh. from the Japanese one, and that you can't force the market strategies of one. Onto another. Well, they, they mm -hmm. onto the other. Yeah. On top, you got they kind of understood the one market they that they were really targeting, which is the uh, weeble most the weeble market. Suckers. The, the, those people that think everything Japan is superior and that everything America is garbage and yeah. Even if you're that weebo, how much money do you have? <laughs> weebo. Yeah. So like that. That's kind of who they were targeting. It's like oh, yeah. Like yeah. they wanted people to go. Oh man, it's the same exact same as Japan. So that must mean it's like. 10 times better kind of thing. Well, on top of that Weibo market, they're the ones that are downloading and they're, they're downloading the shows online and they're not even bothered by the Ameri American release. I mean, F the American release when I can get it for free online. Yeah, that, that, that too. Yeah. And you know, I can, I, if it's going to come the exact same way on DVD as it is when I'm watching a fan sub, I mean, what's the incentive? 
I mean, seriously. Yeah. I mean, I, I support buying DVDs, but you know, I don't support buying DVDs that are twice the amount yeah. with half as much content. F that. I'm not down with that. Which is why I didn't buy a single Bandai Visual DVD and said I would outweigh them, and lo and behold, I won. Yeah, I give you all the credit in the world, man, I, and I commend you on buying buying those DVDs, and I, I think that's cool because I mean, you are a fan of those shows, and you went on your way to get those, and you were a smart shopper too. You went online and you found the best prices, and you grabbed them up for what they were. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's like most people see them on the shelf, like I did, and said no. <laughs> well, you, you kind of can't see them on the shelf now because Genyon was actually their releasing partner. They're the ones who handled distributing. Right. Yeah, and they never bothered to get a new distribution partner. Mm-hmm. So, so now you can only like order their stuff from websites. Wow. Pretty much. Yeah. What bothered me about Bandai Visual, aside from you know their obstinance about you know doing things Japanese release style, is they have a lot of stuff that I really do want to buy. Yeah. yeah. I would give them the money for it if it was reasonably priced and you know reasonably released with episode counts. Believe me, I really want to buy Super Robot Wars. I like that show. Same here. I want to have the show and the OAV. I want to have Igloo. I want to have Gunbuster and Diebuster. I don't want to pay yeah. you know an arm and a leg and half my retirement fund <laughs> to get those. <laughs> shows and have them take up three entire shelves. Mm-hmm. You, 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 you could get Gunbuster easily enough. Yeah. I mean, I got my Gunbuster box set for 30 bucks. At, at best at best right. I know. Uh, apparently they like mispriced it or something, but that, that's all That's all good to me. Oops. But I also, um, like the, their release of the Gunbuster and Diebuster movie, that actually had enough content to warrant like the near 100 bucks it was. Oh yeah. God. Like you had the two, the two movies and they each had a booklet with tons of like background information and this like timeline that I had no idea about this stuff like existed like how um like Japan bought Hawaii from the Americans right and then later on America attacks Pearl Harbor oh wow and then it kicks off like this Japan America war where Japan actually beats America and they pretty much become the rulers of the world like that, that that's the thing behind Gunbuster and it's like I didn't know any of this stuff I oh, wow. had to buy the book the, the release to get it and they had like all these fact cards and stuff that you, you can like put together and it's this one huge size comparison chart and it kind of came, I got the limited edition so it came with a Noriko and a Nono figurines mm-hmm. like and figurines normally go up for 50 bucks anyway so damn for yeah. 30 bucks that's how, you got that all for 30 bucks no 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 that, that I got the Gunbuster box set for 30 bucks which didn't really have got that it. extra stuff but the, the the movie releases they had yeah. all that extra stuff and then like together it was like near 100 bucks well that's well, fine if you that's fine that's, that's something right. different because that's, that's that's a, a premium, premium release, release. And, and I they thought had the release this. of the Super Robo Wars OVA was fine. Like, it had the entire OVA on there for, like, 50 bucks, I think. I think I got it for, like, 40-something, though. But wow, like 50 bucks for three episodes. episodes. Well, still, I had, like, yeah. this pretty thick booklet of all this stuff, and, like, it gave us plenty of line art yeah. for the mecha section, too. And he still, still is not worth that much money I, I, I know but it's like <laughs> once I got those like first two volumes of Divine Wars it's like I saw them and they were pretty cheap it's like oh man it's just, just cheap like right now like compa- relatively cheap to the, yeah how they bait you in right so I kind of yeah. like I saw it and I couldn't resist so I got like once I started it's like I might as well go like for the gusto and like the volume 7 is going to be released in a few days available like, they're not liquidating until September, so I hope this means they are going to be finished releasing it, because the last volume should be out in August. Yeah, we should mention that um, yeah. Bandai Visual is, is shutting down, and they are being merged into Bandai Entertainment. Good. So good. that's good. Yeah. 
the smarter of the two companies. They're, so they're not they're not disappearing. It's not clear what will happen to all of the titles they were releasing, but <laughs> hopefully Bandai Entertainment will reprice them and re-release them. Well, Neil, <laughs> what's your, uh, what's your take on the whole Bandai? under um, at a cheaper price. <laughs> yeah. Maybe yeah. like we we can't really say that for sure. I mean, maybe like Bandai Visual and I'll be like kind of like a subsidiary, like how. Like Super Robot Wars and Gunbuster was actually under this different label called Hanamize, and that that's like all the Hanamize titles had that marketing structure, so maybe like they could adopt that. I, I doubt they will, but like it still could be like a separate sub-only kind of release label yeah. that they could use. Yeah, I don't mind sub-only as long as it's. Reasonable. Neither do I, but like I, I love my dubs. Like yeah. yeah, If I buy a DVD, I'll only watch it dubbed, or I'll watch it dubbed initially, anyways. Yeah, me too. But if it's like sub-only, like I, I don't mind. Yeah, true. I mean, cause that's how we see a lot of shows anyway. Though, though something that bugs me is like. Maybe I shouldn't get into this, but like the people who are like, "Oh, they have no dubs." Yes, they're great. They're awesome, kind of thing. Like the the, the dub haters are like, "Yeah, it's this." Oh, you yeah. try to translate into English, it's like blasphemy, kind of thing. It's like it's this. Those people, it's just you have the subtracts anyways. Don't bo- bother with the dubs. It's not like the Second Coming of Christ that they've started not putting dubs on things. But that's foolish because like, I mean, the one didn't of- care about that anyways. Exactly, and I think I think the one of the boons of the DVD of the DVD format is that you have more. You have the option of having more than right. one language, and on top of that, if you want to introduce the show to somebody who's not used to watching anime, um, as even though the dub may not be superior, I mean that may be the one of the easier ways of turning someone else onto a show if they can just. Right. I mean, if yeah. they can watch it in English as opposed to watching subtitles. The English market has got to be in English. Yeah, some people don't right. even watch anime because they're primarily subtitled. I'm sorry, Neil, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, it's just no, that's cool, but any. Any other um, what what about some of the other companies, Chris? Because sure. I guess we're hating too much on Bandai Visual. Yeah, let's let's move on quickly. Uh, Bandai Entertainment, Bandai Entertainment. Um, I think they they in the last few months they've had a pretty big turnaround because um, yeah, you know, for a while there, for like a good year or two or three, uh, the releases had started to become substandard. Mm-hmm. You know, they had all sorts of uh, defects. They were doing you know like yeah cheap boxes like if you look at their original my hime box which is just this disgusting orange thing (laughs) they just got they just seemed to like really they just really lose their quality control and they were just releasing some crap titles there for a while then for a while they were it's like all they were releasing was just old things under their like anime legends label right but you know now they've popped back and you know with this one two three punch of Code Geass, which is of course now on TV on Adult Swim, mm-hmm. uh, Gundam Double O, which they're trying to get on TV in America, and Gurren Lagann, which they've already confirmed will be on Sci-Fi Channel. Heck yeah! So they've just scooped up, you know, three of the top mecha series and just some of the top anime series period of the last few years that appeal to yeah. wide swaths of people. And apparently, uh, Haruhi Suzumiya did very well for them. Yeah. You know, they're uh, I got all those DVDs. I'm sure you did. <laughs> I imagine that same crowd will, will go for Lucky Star, and, uh, you know, they just seem to be bouncing back. I'm glad to hear it. And now they're jumping into the Blu-ray market, so um, they, they, they are quickly uh, emerging from being sort of like, eh, to back to being one of the stellar companies. You guys have any quick thoughts on Bandai Entertainment? Well, they'll probably end up being the, the strongest um the strongest company at the end because if they're going into the blu-ray because everything now is hd and everybody is on the hd bandwagon the blu-ray bandwagon so i think um i think anybody that you know any of those companies that is the first to do do that it's going to really help out because 
you know, the, the people that are buying anime are the same people that have PS3s. And you know, PS. Well, they're not. They're not the first because Funimation's already done some some Blu-rays. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, but they they have such a they have such a giant marketing machine by behind them. That is true. That um, yeah. yeah I mean, I, I think I think it's I think it'll help. But um, yeah, I'm I'm definitely excited to see what they had. Like, I, I was with you, Chris. They were just. It just seemed like they were re-releasing all the old shows that I already have. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just nothing was coming out. But um, it, it'll be nice to see when they release Gius and uh, Garen Logan and even Double O. So that'll be kind of nice. I, I like how... I, well, it... hmm. Go ahead. Yeah, Go ahead I like Pete. how they're ha- having more episode counts per DVD. I think I yeah. read, like, Gius is going to have, like... Uh, nine. nine. Nine eps per release. And yeah, it's still like, and it's still like forty, thirty, forty bucks or something for the standard edition. Like that—that's just—that's just brilliant. Like, or maybe not brilliant that's, from like a marketing standard. standpoint, but for me, like, I love to see that, I mean, especially considering yeah. what other stuff I'm buying. <laughs> well, that uh, is that is that is the marketing <laughs> idea, and we'll get to that in a minute because we're gonna do Funimation next. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, it's my- it's my favorite label as of right now. Um, I, I think they're um, licensing great shows, and I look forward to seeing what they what they have in store next for us. And I, I'm right there with you. I like the episode counts and the lower price, the lower the lower price um, pricing on it, mainly for the economic environment right now, where you know even even driving to work is more expensive now than it's ever been. You know, we don't have the money to really go out and buy anything you know frivolous anymore. And to see that they're trying to accommodate towards that and uh, to, to, to give us value for our anime purchases, I, I think that's outstanding. Keep it up, Bandai. I look forward to seeing what else you got for us. So that, uh, that brings us next to Funimation. And um, it's kind of interesting watching how, like about maybe 10 years ago or even as recent as seven years ago, these people were reviled as like oh. the most hated company in <laughs> in the anime industry. Just the way that Four Kids is reviled now, for a lot of the same reasons. Yeah. But then Funimation, they went and they transformed themselves into not just a real anime company, but one of the premier ones. And for years, they've had so many major releases of stuff like Full Metal Alchemist and mm-hmm. you know all these different shows. And they've sort of become like one of the fan favorite. Uh, companies with the way they release their shows and uh one of the things that i think they're they're trailblazing on now is this concept of uh box set releases because yeah you know it's for years people have been complaining without really knowing the you know the reality of the market of oh why do i have to pay like 30 bucks per volume of you know uh this show this anime show when i can get like uh, for 40 bucks, like a whole season of Law and Order on DVD. Yeah, they don't understand that you know the American studios have already made their money on these shows, and releasing them on home video is just more profit. Yeah, they don't understand the fact that an anime company that has licensed a show and is releasing it here, they have to price things the way they do and release them the way they do they to put- recoup all of those costs from licensing, mm-hmm. translation, dubbing, and then still make profit to make that series have been a worthwhile license so they don't they they totally take it for granted that being said for years you can't ignore this move towards tv box sets on dvd so you know these anime companies they sort of have to adapt and respond and it's something that the japanese have been resistant to because unless it's for old shows from like 
the pre-DVD era, yeah. you don't see box sets in Japan. Yeah. Not often. Uh, you see single volume releases. On top of that, um, American shows make a great deal of their money from just exactly. the advertising airing when the show first That's what comes I mean. They already, when in Japan, they already made their money. Yeah, they already yeah, made, they money. made their money. When in, in Japan... Exactly. When in Japan, now they've come to depend on foreign markets to get all their money back on a yeah. show. So, I mean, they depend on licensing now. I suppose in the past, when that wasn't a factor, now that cost, shows cost so much to make, they're, it's, they're, they're depending on those foreign dollars. They're depending on a show getting licensed. That's why a lot of shows are a lot more, um, are a lot more uh, transferable from the Japanese market to, to a, say, American or a foreign market because of that reason. And um, it, it's a completely different scenario. I... I I, I, I'm kind of pissed that, you know, sometimes anime costs so much to license, but I can understand it now, yeah. and I just had to deal with it. They also, they've also, Funimation's also done a really good job of having um, different uh, different types of shows. They don't kind of, exactly. um, you know, they don't kind of typecast their releases. Even I mean, in, they have, they have, a, they have a quite a bit, because I, I actually, actually be thinking about it, the last few things that I bought same here. have all been Funimation. Yeah. Um, and... You know, and they kind of range the, the spectrum between you know different genres within anime. So even Adam, even Adam Sheehan during that um that little interview that we um the 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 Q and A session that we had in um, episode twelve or episode eleven, um he had explained that you know they don't they go out of the way not to license the same kind of show over and over yeah. and over. They try to mix it up, and I think that's a very smart approach that they take in order to to keep you know to keep people's interest um, in, 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 their col- in, in their collective uh, library. Definitely. And I think that uh, Funimation here, they're being the trailblazer with these uh, box sets for new shows because you look at, say, a, a show like Aquarian, and that's a show that I don't think would sell very well if it was six individual volumes released over the course of, say, half a year or a year. But you slap 13 episodes onto a DVD box set, release it for like 50 bucks, that entices a lot more people. Yeah. Uh, they're doing this with all sorts of other shows. You know, they're doing uh, One Piece now from the very beginning, uncut, and I picked up. Yeah. You know, the first thirteen episodes in a box set for about fifty bucks. It's, it's a great deal. Other new shows like uh, Romeo and Juliet that they picked up from Gonzo, they said that they plan to release that in two box sets. So the box set thing you see is really catching on because now Bandai is doing the same thing like we mentioned a few minutes ago with their release of Code Geass. Nice. And uh, they're doing the same thing with Gurren Laga and they're releasing, you know, nine episodes yeah. right. uh, per set. So I think this is becoming the future of the anime industry that for anime to survive, we're going to see these, uh, these box set releases or these collections rather than the individual volumes. You're going to start to see that, I think, over the next few years slowly fade away until yeah. eventually it's gone definitely well i mean uh if anything um the only thing i can think of that's left is viz although um i, I didn't get my funny two cents in <laughs> oh go, go go please please do sorry but your opinion doesn't matter anyway so you can ignore me <laughs> I, I am such a jerk <laughs> go okay, ahead, well funimation has definitely come a long way when they were just releasing dragon ball z with its uh yeah. goofy ass dub that they recast like five times during the entire run <laughs> And um, yeah, like they're they're definitely like they've come a long way. They've definitely stepped up, and and uh, I, I know a few people that kind of don't like 
the liberties they take with the dub script. Yeah. But as we kind of touched on earlier, it's like they're still still like keep, keeping like the story, but mm-hmm. but maybe they but 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 branching out a little bit just yeah. change the dialogue a little bit just to like kind of spice it up a little bit, I guess. That's why I love their Yu Yu Hakusho dub. I'm a big fan of that one. But um, yeah. that, look, that's that to me. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, you're right. I, I love I love that they are able to put their own spin on a show. Like you're saying, uh, different genres. Like just look at their library. They got like Hell Girl, and then they got Shuffle, and then yeah. they're getting Claymore, and then you have like Aquarion. It's just mm-hmm. you got a lot to choose from, and. Like I, I bought my aquarium box this and on my shelf over there. I love that thing. Hey, there's, there's just like fifty bucks. It's like, come on, you can't get much better than this. No. So I, I, I heard they're releasing a D Gray Man on single, so I kind of wish they'd go to the box set or approach to that. But I, I guess if they did, they'd kind of run out episodes fast because it's one of those never-ending shonen series, anyways. Not only, yeah. Not only, not only that, but uh, as as uh, has been said in uh, interviews, uh, there was an interview with uh, Jen Fukunaga, the CEO. CEO of Funimation when he was talking about this box set strategy, uh, in some cases, the Japanese licensors won't let them release it in box sets. And we also have to keep in mind with D. Gray Man, they only licensed the first 51 episodes. So they're probably going to want to experiment with that, and um, they might do box sets later on. I mean, just look at Viz, how they started releasing Bleach in volumes and then box sets. So I think in the case of D. Gray Man, it probably really depends on if... um, if TMS said to them, like, you know, yeah, you, we don't want you to release uh, box sets. If we don't have them over here, we don't want you doing them. So I would think that given that, you know, they're doing box sets for as much as they can now, and Fukunaga said, you know, the only time we won't do it is when we can't do it, as stipulated by the license, I would think that this is a license stipulation that they can't do it. Right. So, like, Funny is definitely probably the smartest company out there is that they're, they're molding themselves to be more customer friendly yeah and i think they very smartly avoided because they started becoming very big once they became a big anime company they very cleverly avoided the trap that adv fell into just picking up everything under the sun yeah funimation they never license any you don't see any like b or c titles from funimation they go after things they know will be successful right that's that i think is is their strength and since uh Solbro mentioned viz we might as well wrap up with uh i I, with I commend viz they're able to integrate their shonen jump um the shonen jump label into um from manga to uh to anime and now they're they're licensing all their shonen all the all the animes having to do with shonen jump i know that um dbz was a big success i'm sorry i'm not dbc but naruto was a big success for them death note is now and you know other shows Bleach, of course, and just like you said, they've released some single first edited, and then they release some uncut in box sets later on, and so they're catering to the to the younger fan and the hardcore anime fan at the same time. I gotta give them credit. That's all I gotta say about this. Well, not all their titles. I don't think with uh, I don't think there's an edited version of Bleach. Yeah, oh, there so. isn't. Oh, okay. No. I take that back. No, I think it's just the uncut, the the, the edited stuff. That's with Naruto. Yeah. that's true. That's true. And briefly, when they were releasing One Piece on behalf of four kids, but that no longer. Exists, so <laughs> thank God. <laughs> my thing about uh, my thing about Viz is, um, you know, they're starting to expand now. But for the longest time, you know, they pretty much just stuck to their manga offerings, and then they would stick to like just one cash cow, and then just ride that cash cow until it was totally dry. I mean, yeah. God knows how long yeah. with Ranma. Ranma they rode on freaking Ranma to Ooh, release that freaking show. Uh, then after that, Inuyasha. Inuyasha. Now they're doing um, Naruto and Bleach. Bleach. 
So they just sort of tend to stick to just this shonen stuff and specifically shonen jump stuff. Not that that's bad, but, you know, you're not going to see huge variety or a huge lineup of titles with Viz. And hey, if that's what keeps them successful, then, you know, do it. Because they certainly have that cross-promotion down pack completely of yeah. the shonen jump manga and then the shonen jump anime. So that's what works for them, you know, more power to them. Yeah, I, th- I think uh, I th- just to kind of quickly sum that up i I think they basically um are like funimation where they're kind of um they're kind of creating their market and kind of use you know probably using a lot of customer feedback because i mean a lot of the things that both um viz and uh, funimation's done i mean these are things that you've heard people complain about for so long box sets and you know uncut you know why is it always cut up and all this all this stuff so um you know i'm i'm not a big I don't have a lot of Viz in my collection, but I, I do know, uh, I mean, I do, I, I've seen a lot of their shows and, uh, you know, they're definitely, you know, they're, they're, they're definitely, they have some good shows, but I'm with you guys where it, it is basically the same formula. It's just a different character, but, you know, just same old formula, guy, angry guy, girl that loves him, unrequited love, bad guy, you know, lots of action, r- wash, rinse, repeat. Shonen series aren't, actually aren't that big on romance, though. Well, I'm talking unrequited love. There's, there's a little in that, yeah, I guess. But. Not, yeah. In regards to their audience. Yeah, so, but. I, I, I read a lot of Shonen stuff. Yeah, it's. But that's my two cents on you're, that. Your two cents, Peter, so we, you can't accuse us of, of ignoring you? <laughs> yeah, like I said, I, uh, I I read a lot of Shonen stuff. Like, I, I have a subscription to Shonen Jump, and I kind of I, I kind of forget why I have it. But, like, <laughs> it's just, it comes once a month, and it's just something to wind down and read with. So I'm more familiar with Viz for their uh, manga offerings. Yeah. And, uh, like, there's still good stuff, like, I like a good Shonen series now again. Like I, I watch Bleach. I watch. Uh, I don't watch Naruto, but I watch some of the other stuff. And uh, their anime is like kind of weird because yeah, I get they're releasing all this Shonen stuff. But then, like, I have Great Dan Gaio, and that's from Viz. And it's like, what, what the heck is Viz doing with Great Dan Gaio? <laughs> what indeed? Well, that was a loud release. If you want to know what I'm doing with Great Dan Gaio, they were like five bucks each in a bargain bin. So I'm like, oh, hey, cheap anime, why not? Why not? <laughs> Viz did release, like, a box that only have a Buzo Rankin. Yeah. Like, they didn't release singles for that one. And they do that. They, they do do that every once in a while, too. So I got to give them credit on that, too, where they just blow a whole show out in just one box set as opposed to just individually releasing i guess they 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 do they, they work with focus groups on that or something or it's just a decision inherent but um anything else to add about viz at all there's two anime studios out there that are still left but we're not we might as well just mention them but there's not really any point in discussing them go ahead number one being uh animigo yeah. you know great old school company i absolutely love them for their initial yeah. release of macross which i still have on my shelf and still adore and you know i love right they're releasing live action samurai stuff like zatoichi but uh you know they pretty much slowed down they finally released all of urusai yatsura after like 20 years and they're only <laughs> they're only doing a little bit of stuff now with anime so they were never really much of a big industry mover they were always a boutique company right so that's animigo and then uh tokyo pop not much worth mentioning there because they got out of the anime business years ago yeah they're they're just manga really even now they're manga they're doing some some cutbacks but uh, we still have that just that last question to address of uh what does it mean for mecha anime so uh Mm -hmm. my two cents on that is you know mecha anime in america has always been a niche thing 
you know, there's there's you know pockets of nostalgia titles that will always perform well, like Voltron and Transformers and Robotech. But yeah. you know, for the most part, Mecha is just not big here. You know, Gundam Wing was a big hit eight years ago, but yeah. you know that really never carried through. And now here we are, eight years later. I think there's always a possibility that it could turn around in the slight, you know, now that we have these three heavy hitters of Gius, Gurren Lagann, and Double O coming out. But um, long term, I really don't see Mecha becoming as big here in America as it always has been in Japan because it's just such a uniquely Japanese thing. Yeah. This fascination with robots that here is not quite the same. The West is kind of in, like, getting in it out. You got the Transformers movie and then you got Iron Man, so maybe... Hopefully we'll get more uh, mecha orientated because of stuff like that. I hope so. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd probably have to agree with Chris. Um, I think the only thing that could probably help the mecha genre right now, especially in America, is that uh, three of the, you know, probably the hottest show for like the last two years is, you know, people talk about is Code Geass. And I, I'm sure that hopefully because people watch that, maybe they say, oh, I like this. Maybe there's some other things that maybe this director did or this production company. That's the only thing you could kind of think of, maybe like a trickle-down effect. But it is, it, is such a, it is such a strictly Japanese genre in, in anime. I mean, it, it's, as much as there's such great shows out there, uh, it's going to be hard for it to overtake, um, you know, like fighting shows and the little action-adventure kind of fantasy stories. So... Uh, but you know, like I said, hopefully with maybe Code Geass and when Double O comes out, we'll get a we'll get a little bit of a trickle down effect because it seems like people are kind of yearning for more. And um, you know, those those shows have uh, I think they've kind of revitalized anime because for like the last two three years, there's really been kind of a drop off in what uh, people have been putting out. So maybe I'll raise the bar and you know renewed interest. So, but that's my two cents. I think, I think so long as we have a Bandai Entertainment over there, we'll they'll keep releasing Mecha anime. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Like Ban- Bandai has always been like Mecha toy centered kind of thing. Very oh, true. Yeah. So, so as long as at, at the very least, as long as as they're around, we'll have Mecha. Cool. But that, that eases my fears. <laughs> <laughs> Solbro, any any thoughts on that? Um, I do think that uh, I think the industry lost its window for it when uh, Gundam Wing aired and fell out of the public eye. I um, mean, if they really had pressed it, if they um, if they put more shows out there on, say, um, Toonami at the time, they were mech-related, um, just kind of bridge the gap between that and Mobile Suit Gundam, um, I think it would have kind of stayed in the public eye a little bit more. Um, but that's not, that doesn't mean the window's totally closed. I think the 80s was the best time for it, but since there was no home video market then, it's kind of a moot point. But uh, given the success of Code Geass, I hope that Code Geass really opens that door again and gets people's interest back into mecha anime so that we can get more on TV and more out there in the video market. I'll just keep my fingers crossed and see what happens. I'll just keep observing and supporting it with this show and, and just going out there buying the DVDs. If anything, um, we'll probably touch upon the subject again in a future segment too. But um, we'll be back in just a moment with more Gundam at MAHQ. calling me. He'll keep calling me until I come over. He'll make me feel guilty. This is, uh, this is ridiculous, okay? I'll go, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go with, I'll go.
Welcome back to Gundam at MHQ. This is one of your hosts, Neo, and we're going to be covering uh, the long-awaited, long-anticipated topic of Shar Asimble. Not. Psych. No, we're uh, sorry about that. We'll get to that down the road, but uh, we're just going to continue on on uh, Gundam Roundup. The This will be the fourth installment of Gundam Roundup. Uh, we're do- As you know, that we're doing these during production order, so we've already covered... Uh, first Gundam, we've covered Zeta, we've covered Double Zeta, and now we're doing the first original uh, movie release, which is uh, Mobile Suit Gundam, Shars Counterattack. And um, I guess this came about halfway through, uh, they were greenlit like halfway through Double Zeta, so I know that there was changes with the Double Zeta um, story, and we discussed that during that topic. And uh, even Chris was saying to us earlier that there's some changes halfway through, I guess, a lot of changes uh, through Shars Counterattack compared to what they originally had planned. So, a- anything important there, Chris, or just uh, just little just little nuances that they took care of? Uh, some obvious things, stuff that you see in, in the novelizations. You've got a couple of novelizations. There's uh, Beltorshika's Children. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's High Streamer, which has mobile suits. But in Beltorshika's Children, you had uh, some pretty notable differences. Uh, number one, there is no Chan. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Amro's still been involved with her ever since they sort of hooked up in Zeta. Right. And uh, off the top of my head... Um, Not too much else. There's other... There, there are some significant things, like uh, the, the fate of Quest Pariah and who does her in. Oh, okay. Ooh. So uh, that's that's a significant thing, but uh, reference website Library of Londonian seems to be down, and they kind of have a little summary of Beltrachica's children, which I didn't save to my computer, so... Oh, okay. That's okay. But, you know, let's stick to uh, what did come out in the anime. Yeah, no problem, but... Um, I guess uh, my first exposure of it was when it came out on Cartoon Network, you right. know, when it was a, a big deal. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it was like, wow, you know, this is a really, uh, this looks incredible because uh, some, some of the standout features that I, that I like about the movie is, is the way it looks. The, you know, the action sequences are incredible. Yeah. Um, the first, when you're introduced to that first fight on the, on the asteroids there, that, it's just amazing. You get to see... Shar uh, and Armoro, what five, six years later after Zeta, right? And you know, Shar's basically taken over the mantle of Nia Zeon and is uh, basically holding the Earth hostage. So, but um, a lot of, lot of, lot of, lot of good animation, a lot of good fight sequences. My only complaint that I would have with it is the story is kind of uh, a little lost in some parts. It seems like the story should have been, it should have been more an OVA. In my in my opinion, than mm-hmm. just a one shot movie, I think that story was probably would have been better suited for some type of like three or six episode OVA than what they did. So. I agree with you on that. But one. Um, um, any any thoughts, Chris, on uh, on Shar's counterattack? Likes, dislikes? No, 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 no thoughts at all. No thoughts. No. <laughs> no um, I have a question for you though, Chris. Do Shar and Armro actually die at the end? <laughs> No, they don't. They uh, they both survived, and there was a you know like a sub universal like transport, and like Shar, like his spirit crossed over into the cosmic era universe and was reborn as as Gilbert Durandal. Oh, okay. <laughs> and Amaro's spirit crossed over into um, Anyo Domini and and was reborn as as Ribbons Almac. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's... So there there you go. Finally, the question has been answered. Thank you. Them. Thank you with that. End of story. Well said. Well said. That explains a whole lot. <laughs> really, I heard that. Uh, 
Sharon Amro uh, realize their undying love for each other and elope somewhere. How did I know you were going to say that? <laughs> what, they retired in the side seven or something? Something like that. That's the slash fic. Where it all began. Raise a family. <laughs> but silliness aside, go ahead, Chris. Anyway, you know, given that it's uh, a two-hour movie and that it sort of emerged from binging parts of it at least being the original end of Double Zeta, I think it does well for, for what it is. You know, it's got fantastic animation, yeah. great epic score, uh, great mobile suit combat. I like seeing the return of Amuro as, as a hero. Uh, I like seeing how they continually have the interaction with um, you know old characters like Bright, old characters from Zeta like uh, Astonage, as well as mm-hmm. new characters. And there's always like little bits here and there that, uh, that sort of stick out, like... Um, the fact that they had Cameron Bloom in this movie, it kind of helps. Yeah. It sort of makes, it sort of helps cement Universal Century as sort of being like a real world because, you know, always in your life there's someone like that maybe you went to school with or you encountered and then your paths go separate ways and maybe like 10 or 15 years later they cross again and you see this person like, oh, I, didn't, you know, I never expected to see this person again and then you do. Yeah. yeah. So having that, and the com- that little, those few scenes with Cameron and Bright sort of was a nice little coda to all of the stuff that happened in yeah. original series and sort of a nod to that history. And even then you see that, uh, yeah. I mean, after all these years that a character like, like Cameron, he's still concerned about Mirai. She's been married to bright all this time. I love that conversation too. So yeah, it's those little, it's those little moments that make movies like this come together. Uh, yeah. my main thing that, that always bothered me from the, from this movie. And this was one of the first things that Gundam and I saw, uh, when I saw this movie, it was way before it was licensed and I had only seen a handful of episodes of both Zeta and double Zeta. So there was a lot that I was lost on, but I still had picked up enough. And one thing that always bothered me was that, uh, Sela has zero presence in this movie. Yeah. 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 That's my major complaint too. In no sense. It's like, especially, yeah, you would think that, go ahead, I'm sorry, uh, especially how double Zeta ended with her and bright having that conversation about Shar coming back or what Shar has been doing behind the scenes. You figure she'd been the major player. Mm-hmm. It makes you almost think that she's dead. Exactly. Cause you figured she would have, you know, she'd have a, 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 you know, a front seat in all of this conflict and she's nowhere to be seen. At least seen. pleading to him to stop what he's doing. Yeah. She, she's no, yeah. She, that one conversation seems like it's, it's that's that one conversation actually kind of serves to set up Shar's counterattack because she's like, Oh, you know, I don't, think yep. he's gone away and he's going to be back and you think yeah you know well maybe she's going to do something about it but no she's she's not there at all it leads me to believe that she's dead because there's no way in there's no way in hell as far as i'm concerned that this could go down with her threat her brother threatening the planet without her making a plea towards him to, yeah. to stop this madness to go there in person you she ever at anybody in the universal century she gets a free pass at anything yeah you know i would I've, i'd figure that he would make sure she was not on the planet in order to make sure that he can drop this rock on the planet you know have her you know at least sequestered or something but yeah, no, there's, she's nowhere to be around. Maybe you know who knows. Like off screen, she approached him like when he started up his Neo Zeon movement. But you know, yeah, that's not animated, so we don't know. That would just be speculation. But and another, I definitely think. Go ahead. That her absence really, you know, kind of shows. And since she went through so much trouble to try to stop him from what he was doing, just in his mm-hmm. personal plan in Gundam, but now, you mm-hmm. know, he started up this whole war, you'd think even more so she'd be trying to stop what he's doing. Yeah, yeah it just didn't make sense and um, I, I, I honestly, I, maybe she's in a novel I don't know, but um, it that just one of the one of the glaring mistakes of that movie, but other than that uh, quick, quick question uh, was Sailor's voice actor still alive at this point? Oh yeah Oh yeah, she she only died like a couple, couple years, four years, yeah. Couple years ago. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. That that was a that was a glaring thing. Um, the 
the other the only the other only thing that um kind of I didn't like was the fact that you were just kind of thrown in like it kind of didn't make sense of all of a sudden Char just wants to do this there was like kind of no build up I do understand with the time constraints uh that that you know that they needed to do that but um you know um it also Char's counterattack is also responsible for one of the coolest scenes ever bright coming out of the bottom up through the bridge from the sub bridge to the to the main bridge that was the coolest thing ever in that in that chair complete with star yeah. cup yeah and hamburger holder but yeah hamburger and hamburger holder i know um i know it's also responsible for one of soul bro's favorite characters too quest Ooh. pariah oh yes oh yes. yes i so love her the lovely little lolly <laughs> a, a, a correction i loved it when she was killed mm. by the greatest chick in the movie um sham file oh no, not sham file who the, who the <laughs> hell is oh man wrong Some show Camino universe is crossing <laughs> who over the, who the hell is chan foul yeah <laughs> My girl oh, Chan, my Chan, but she she really she really did the universal service with that one. Thank you. <laughs> but getting the quest, go ahead. Oh, I was just saying, oh, responsible because uh, all I ever heard from Solbro about this uh, movie was how much he hated Quest. And to be honest with you, I don't find her. I didn't find her being that much of a a pain. Seriously, <laughs> we'll never agree on this one. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, she was a pain, but um, actually Hathaway irritated. Hathaway irritated me more. He's not too far behind either, because he was a complete moron. He gets a complete moron. Oh yeah, yeah, he gets it, and and, and you know he he takes the finest bright slap yeah. ever to be bright slapped in a in a in a in an anime. He that, that was I mean, the fact that he slapped him so hard. He floated with he floated with the anti with the <laughs> non gravity into what a wall. Yeah. <laughs> It's like thank you, Bright. Well, like, in, in Bright. the novel, he gets Bright executed too. So, <laughs> woo! Yeah. yeah, he sure does. <laughs> well, but that's that. That's in uh, Hathaway's, Hathaway's Flash, Flash which yeah. follows a different continuity. But Hathaway, man, that, that's a case where the apple fell really far from the tree. Oh my god! Oh <laughs> my god! On a whole god. other planet. <laughs> but it, it, I mean, he to me, he was the most irritating character there. But it was nice. I mean, like you said, Chris, earlier, where you had the the melding of the newer characters with some of the older characters. It was nice to see, you know, all of the, um, you know, uh, Bright and his fam. Mir- um, I was gonna say Mirai. Is it Mirai? Yeah, it's Mirai. I'm sorry. I'm like having a. I'm having one a moment. But uh, it was nice to see all that. Um, and like you said, the the music and it was incredible. I epic. mean, it was so so epic, yeah. and it, it gave you this. It's that final scene there. Yeah. That that one still sticks with me. <laughs> the star celebration song no no the the final scene i said oh the final one oh, i'm sorry true. yeah music playing definitely um def- that, that sticks with me that yeah and, that in the equestrian um dukaroo <laughs> <laughs> what is Omar? Omar's on a jeep and he just dives at shore on that horse and oh just i know get, they get to roll it in the why, hay but uh <laughs> this thing for jumping out of moving vehicles oh, yeah. yeah in Gundam he jumped out of yeah. he jumped out of the explosive jeep in, in Zeta he jumped out of the uh, exploding plane oh yeah, yeah. Man. he's a Lee Majors he's, he's a Lee Majors of UC now and, and and then Char's counterattack he's jumping out of the jeep again one thing I, I really liked about the movie was for once we got to see what happened between what the death of Lala and Char's eyes yeah I still thought that was um, that was kind of cool because we always 
used to hear it from Armoro and the fact that Shar actually, you know, said, you know, what do you know? What, you know, it, it hurts you. It hurt me even more, you know, and, and you, you got it. And it was cool that they actually reanimated that whole thing. They just didn't cut corners and, and spliced in old footage. <laughs> that was that an was awesome nice. montage too. But that, that was one of the, that was one of the glaring, th- one of the more prominent things that I, I thought in that was because you finally got to see it because Armoro was crying about it for what, two, two shows? Two shows, yeah, practically. <laughs> a show and a half or something but um um any uh any any thoughts on stress counterattack pete um i'd like to take this opportunity to point out my favorite character of stress counterattack who was uh nanai stars uh lover there yeah yeah Yeah, i I really liked her the way she kind of had to put up with quests and she still kind of like smacked her in line that one time and like I thought she was like a really strong woman to be able to like stand side by side with Char there and yeah. as much as Char is pegged as a as a pedophile and stuff, I think like like the woman I think would be the what that was the perfect match for Char for Char was Nanai. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. Like, yeah. She was a strong woman, like well at the end like she, she re- but she was still a woman, right? Because at the end like she was yeah. crying and everything and she was kinda jealous of Quest. Yeah. The way Char was treating her but like she was still on the front lines, she was giving orders and stuff. So, I she's a strong woman. I really respected her, and so she she was the only one. She was the only one that really got him. It seemed yeah. like kind of yeah. kind of yeah. got what what his what being being Zeon Daikun's son was. Yeah. yeah, and all the other ones were kind of idealistic, and she kind of understood what what it, all the pressure that it like, had to have been to be that person. And she understood Sar and Amuro's relationship too, like her one line. Like people who are too similar will end up hating each other. Yeah, you know that that's a very true thing. I, yeah. I've seen that in my life where two people are so similar, and like friends of mine, and they don't like each other. They hate each other to death. And it's like well, you guys are exactly the same. Y'all should be friends. And yeah. you know it never works out that way. And I like to point out Nanai, the woman that is not Uso's grandmother. <laughs> <laughs> as much as I like it to be. Speaking of Nanai and that whole that whole line of like her being a strong woman, I think it's kind of interesting that uh, at least in the Japanese version, Nanai is played by Yoshiko Sakakibara, who also played Haman. The Haman, yeah. yeah, heck yeah. yeah. Well, I said I, I've only listened to the dub, so yeah, which was which was good in its own right. It was very good, especially if you watch Mobile Suit Gundam in um, English, the TV yeah. show. Then you know it just segued right in pretty nicely, but um. Other than that, yeah, I, I agree with you, Pete. Man, she was a very strong character and 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 one of the two coolest females besides Mirai in that whole movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so another thing that I would have liked, uh, you know, had they had the time and maybe they could have worked this around, um, given that we see like the constant like three or four scenes of like Mirai and Shaman like trying to like get to space and and yeah. totally fail. Sure. Um, yeah, maybe a couple of those scenes could have been cut. It would have been nice to see some of the other characters, like say, uh, yeah, like say Frau, Kai, uh, Kai mm-hmm. see what they've been up to, uh, Camille. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't have wanted to see, given how much is packed into this movie, I don't think an active role for Camille would have would have worked, mm-hmm. and he would have been competing with screen time with uh, Amaro. Mm-hmm. But it just would have been nice to see another scene, maybe where he just has, even just has some dialogue, just to further confirm from Double Zeta that yeah, he's okay now and he's off doing his. Just own a shot at the end where he's looking up at the sparkles or something. Something like that. Yeah. Something like that. So yeah. you know, if they could have had a little bit less of Mirai's useless yeah. quest, yeah. and maybe just had some some more, just because this is the last time, this is the last chance you had to see all these characters and. 
you know, mm-hmm. would have been nice to see that. Yeah, it would have been nice to see how um, how Frau was doing after Hayato getting killed. Yeah. Oh, and, you know, she true. had the kids. Oh, and, and after Kotz went, maybe she just nah, breathed the she was probably relief. happy once. She had no problem. <laughs> oh. She had no problem letting Kotz go on the Argama. <laughs> no. Oh, man, I can't think who's worse, Kotz or Quest. Oh, mm. that's a toss. It's always it's always Kotz. <laughs> at least at least Kotz because he had more screen time. Yeah, and Quest was cute. It, at least Quest didn't slam into an asteroid. This is true. Yeah, <laughs> and she was cute. So it's like you can't you can't hate on that. But um, no, that that would have been nice to see, especially Kai. You know, he was a journalist, so yeah. he, he probably would have been covering uh, on the scene. Here comes Axis. <laughs> <laughs> Broadcasting live for the North Pole with a, with a journalist with with a, with a journalist mobile suit. <laughs> yeah, he's borrowing that one from uh, the the uh, Astray. What is that X Astray? Where they the guy was a journalist. Oh, right on. Astray, yeah, Frank. Yeah. Hey, if Macross Two can have like a news Valkyrie, yeah. Destiny Astray can have you know a news mobile suit. Why couldn't Char's counterattack? That's right, man. Exactly. He could have gun cannon. Just instead of the cannons, they're just cameras. You know, they're just cameras. Camera into a mic. You can't. You, gun tank is meant to fight. You can't. That, that's that's a killer. Gun you can't chain the beast. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, you ever try using that thing in a space mission in the the video games? It's horrible. Oh yes. yeah. Yes, it's it is terrible. Beat the game with it. Yeah. That's a, you might as well frame you you pl- you you put that picture in a frame, man. Put it on the wall. But. <laughs> So, any any other thoughts, guys, on Shar's counterattack? How um, how would you how would you kind of rate it? Oh, I'm sorry, you had you had something, Pete. Uh, yeah, like going go back to Quest a little bit. Yeah, she she, she was annoying, but mm-hmm. like she, she had reason. Like there there are reasons for it. Like she was a spoiled rich kid who's trying to be right. rebellious, and yep. and then she's trying to cling to Shar, and then they like tamper with her mind and stuff. So while I don't like her, it's like I can't blame her for it. Yeah, she was just looking for attention. I can kind of forgive everybody for anything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So long as they have a good reason behind it. Except for Kotz. (laughs) Kotz was just stupid. And uh, Hathaway was equally as stupid. Yeah. uh, The second coming. Him him killing Chan there was kind of like... Insult to injury? Yeah. It's like, what what, what the hell, man? What are you doing? Yeah. And where were those those girls' uniforms before then? Chan had the coolest Federation uniform. She had a skirt. Yeah, she had a oh, I don't that's know why. True. I don't know why they, they didn't have that beforehand, but well, they, they had a little bit of an immobile suit, but not yeah. not often. They had the frow the frow skirt. Frow skirt. Oh, that's, that's right. right. That's right. But um, all right. For me, overall, oh, uh, on a skirt flip floating around. Much <laughs> as the male crew members would like that. Good point. Right on. Despite you know just a few you know quibbles that I had with the movie, I still gave it a, a top rating. And I think if you look at it in the context of that first Gundam saga yeah. of you know original Zeta, double Zeta in this movie, it's sort of you know with some few bumps along the road, pretty yeah. smoothly flows into you know this one continuing yeah. epic. With this being the end, so you know I, I think you know despite some hiccups you know with double Zeta and with this movie. Uh, it still manages to flow together pretty well if you watch those three TV shows and then this movie. Yeah, I, I, I'd have to agree. Telling a complete saga. I'd have to agree with you. I think it, it's you definitely need you definitely need basis in the in the other three shows to really understand what was going on. And and I mean, I understood when I first saw it. I had seen Mobile Suit. I really I don't think I had seen Zeta yet or Double Zeta, so it was a little confusing. But once. You know, once I've now I've seen them all and, you know, going, I think I watched that movie maybe six months ago. I just popped it in. There was nothing on TV. And, uh, you know, it's it's definitely I, I would give it a top rating, too. 
and you know like you said even though it had some issues it was you know it definitely was a good end piece to that to that whole story very true so bro I, I, what were you gonna say Go uh, i was gonna say that i also watched stars counterattack immediately after finishing first gundam yeah so i'd never seen zeta or double zeta because for whatever reason i skipped both zeta and double zeta back then same here so like but when i still watch it like i think like after rewatching it after seeing the other series the only really thing that was a reference to the other two series was when Shara mentioned Haman and the Titans in his speech. Yeah. Like I think that was the only throwback to Zeta and Double Zeta that needed context to know what they meant. That's yeah. true. Everything everything else was pretty much removed from um everything else you could just watch it right after first and it's like okay Shar and Amro still are at each other's throats here. Yeah. Which is like I, I didn't like Shar and Zeta Gundam because he seemed kinda like way too out of character. Like I mean he Right. Like if he begrudgingly kind of teamed up with Amro, but he didn't really, I mean, he, they're like sharing drinks together and stuff, and then all of a sudden he starts counterattacking, he wants to kill him for what happened to Lala again. So, like, kind of went too much off on a tangent for my liking. Yeah. But I, I like Sharon Star's counterattack, even though I, I kind of think he should have stayed more of a pilot than a political leader, but he still made a decent political leader. Yeah. And I also give, like, I also give Star's counterattack top marks too. Like, it was definitely like an epic end to a saga. Even if I do like F ninety one more out of the two movies, but Star's Counterattack is still like oh. un- undeniably awesome. Yeah. Well, um, uh, I'll try to keep this short, but um, I like to see the opposite happen to Star's Counterattack that um happened with the Zeta, with the Zeta Gundam um, series where it becomes a expanded OVA, um, where you get to see more of the story, maybe a little bit more of the other characters that came from the other series. But if I was to rate it, um, I'd probably give it about. I'd probably give it a. Honestly, I'm a little harsher with it than than most. I'd give it a 3.5, because I wanted to see more. I really did. I wanted to know, you know, what happened to the other characters, as as Afer mentioned. But it's a good it's a good finale to a series, and I like the ambiguous end. Did Sharon Amaro die? We really don't know. I honestly think they did. Well, we got the answer earlier. I think they did. Yeah, we did. We did. We did. We yeah. did. One went to the cosmic era. One maybe went they to... maybe they quantum leaped and met yeah. up with Al. You know. <laughs> Something. <laughs> Who is now a Cylon. Yeah. And then they went into Battlestar Galactica. Well, that's fracking awesome. Actually, one thing that kind of bothered me mm-hmm. that I just kind of remembered is why Amro thought he could push back an asteroid with one mobile suit. <laughs> yeah. No matter how much new type hacks he had behind him, I, like, oh, let's push back this giant-ass rock with just this one mobile suit. Yeah. Hey, Sergey thought he could do the same, too. Yeah. An asteroid's considerably different than just a piece of space colony or whatever it was yeah but he was in the crappiest mobile suit there was yeah <laughs> yeah. He, he had a better chance of pushing that back than armor did pushing back axis well, d- well dang hey the new gun isn't just for show no Man, it's got jedi powers too <laughs> <laughs> but um well, that was uh, that's our fourth installment of Gundam Roundup, uh, covering Char's counterattack. Uh, we'll return next time with what would be the next in production order, Chris? Would it be 0080? 0080. Oh man! Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, war and war of boy love. <laughs> war of boy love, 0080. But um, we're gonna be we're gonna get get out of here. We'll be right back in a little bit. You're listening to Gundam at MHQ. Hey, this is Soul Bro Ryu, and I know what you're thinking. What the hell happened to 14? Well, listen to episode 15. Did we miss 14? You did miss 14. The only one missed it is me. Um, I made a grave mistake when um, transferring some files, and some segments of 14 were pretty much destroyed. 
Um, I went ahead, though, and took the surviving segment, which is the Zeta Gunup segment, and moved it to the first segment, which is coming up next. And for the remainder of this explanation, please stay tuned to after the end of the podcast, right after the Shinjuku Station and MAHQ sound off, and I'll get into more about what happened and what we, how we plan to make it up. I, 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 I deeply, 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 deeply apologize for this, and it seems like no matter how much we try, the double O segment will never come into fruition. And what's funny is this time it's 100% my fault no one else's so um if you need to cast any stones please hit me up on the mahq boards or please email me at sbrmahq at gmail.com and send send the hate send the hate please please i deserve it and um getting back on track here's the next segment Welcome back to Gundam at MAHQ, the end of episode 16, where we talked about the animes we're currently watching, the state of the North American anime industry, and in the Gundam Roundup, we talked about Star's Counterattack. Slowbro, you had a few words to say? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and, Where can and, they and, contact us, Solbro? Oh well, they can reach us at um, e- by email at Gundam M A H Q at gmail dot com, and also you can always um, post uh, post feedback on the forums at mechatalk dot net, or um, reach us. Uh, of course, um, our one of our ma- uh, the main site for us is uh, M A H Q dot net. As if you didn't know. <laughs> and also, again, I like to also give um, I like to remind you guys that um. To, if you can try to help, um, try to help out uh, our friend and uh, one of the regular posters at uh, MechaTalk.net, longtime MAHQ contributor Mark um, Mark zero six four, correct? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And um, please, please, if by all means, visit the uh, visit the uh, general discussion thread at the uh, MechaTalk.net forums and and donate what you can to to, to the PayPal PayPal account that's been set up in order to help him recover from the the fire that pretty much um, has as as has uh, struck Devastated us home. him, yeah. And um, other than that, that's pretty much all I have to say. You guys have anything else to add? Chris, any news on the MHQ front in addition? New stuff coming at some point. At some cool. point. <laughs> new, new stuff coming. TBA. New stuff to use. New stuff. So, all right, well. I'm just going to be vague and not say anything. Yeah, don't make right any on. promises, all right? Stay mysterious. But... Be a surprise. Well, I already mentioned some of it back on April first, and but there's still gonna be more, so I'm just gonna keep quiet on the more. Well, that ends our show, and I probably won't be back next week. I'll see you guys whenever, and continue enjoying these three crazy dents. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. They're great podcast. No problem. Thanks. Well, thank you. Thanks for thanks for coming along. Thanks for being here, man. Yep. No problem. Anytime. Later. See you later. Peace. All right. Yes, the wind whipping against my face. That's what war's about. But MHQ is a Shinjuku station in MHQ production. I'm just a little anxious to get up there and whoop ET's ass, that's all.